give you a crazy funny story here. We're in the army. We go to this club. It was a drag queen club. It was a gay club. Lesbians, all of that at this club, right? A couple of the guys at this club were very aggressive. I said, listen, guys, you're safe with me, but I'm, I love girls. So just kind of, if we can have that straight, we're good to go. Great. But they always ask us one question and they got one of my friends. Hey, you ever been with men? No. Do you like men? He says, no, I like women. He says, how do you know? What do you mean? How do you know you don't like men if you've never been with men? I take one of my guys and he says, but he's right. How would we know that? <laughs> he had to go to find out for himself. No. No. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Was he, he was gay? Every time we take a shower, he was rock solid. What? Every what? Time. Yeah. We would always say, I would say, hey, bro, what's up? <laughs> wait, wait, you had to uh, ask him You know it. what's up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he liked guys. So he would see other guys in the shower. I'm like, listen, moving forward, you got shower 9 to 10. We're going to come at 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock. But your shift is this time. By the way, he's married today with two kids. Did you, you know? feel some guilt that your friend was sucking in a Kentucky nightclub no, because you 18. brought him there? He's 18. <laughs> 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome to Flagler. Today, we are joined by uh, the current king of Florida. And if we change a couple rules, a future president of the United States of oh. America, we got Patrick Bet David. Hey, hey. Okay, PBD, I'm very excited. Thank you so much for, for being here. Finally, we made it happen. It's great to be here. It's, it's, I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Now, I want to start from the beginning with you. Yes. We got a lot of things I want to get to. Obviously, okay. Florida stuff going, DeSantis announcing, Trump roasting him, everything. But I think your life experiences have, have informed your perspective in a way that a lot of other people in the media field uh, maybe do not know or can't relate to or they just don't have these life experiences. So bring me back to the beginning. Iran, born, Christian, Assyrian and Armenian? Assyrian and Armenian. Okay. Very briefly, what is Assyrian? Assyrian is Babylonian. They're the first Christians, first warriors. Uh, you know, them and Armenians always debate on who was the first Christian. If you read the Bible, you see Assyrians all the time. Aramaic, so I speak Aramaic, so Passion of the Christ. You speak Aramaic? I speak Aramaic, wow. so in the movie Passion Language of the Christ, Jesus, we bro. understand what they were saying. Wow. Nobody else. Well, I mean, except for seven of us, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a minute, you grew up speaking the language the Bible was written? Yes, yes. Is it different in Aramaic than it's, it is in uh, English? So, I'll give you our numbers. That's Assyrian. Yeah, it's it's very... close. That's right. Yes. Oh, they got to make it about themselves. Right? <laughs> Every single time. We were having a nice moment yeah. over here with the Christians. Uh, and then something. the Jews come in. Come in and... Anyway, uh, okay, so so you're in Iran, Shah Falls. Mm -hmm. What is happening in Iran during the, the, the reign of the Shah? So the Shah goes from being this 21-year-old guy, comes in, his father is this powerful man who is kicked out a couple times. He is feared, he is hated, he is, you know, respected. He's a guy that raises his son in a way that they're not that close. It's like, you know, it's the father, it's the Shah, the king, and the son has to go do all this different work. He spoke seven different languages, the Shah. Smart guy, he could do interviews in literally seven different languages. He comes in, he changes the game. Uh, Mossadegh was a guy that uh, a lot of the, he would be the modern day Bernie Sanders. So they wanted Mossadegh to be the president. He was gonna give the oil money back to the people, all mm. this stuff. And then with the help of CIA, you'll read this uh, in many different uh, places. The Shah ends up coming in, uh, he uh, becomes the king. 
And it changes everything in Iran, you know, education improves women, freedom, voice. They can become lawyers, you know, there was a entertainment aspect to it. Frank Sinatra, all these guys used to go to Iran. It was top three richest, like the wealthiest of the wealthiest in the 70s. In the late 60s, you would go to Iran, Burma, and Cuba. Was okay. it like Dubai? I'm trying to imagine It was what like it Dubai. Okay. I mean, listen, uh, Elizabeth Taylor was dating the ambassador Zahedi, they were together. So she would go to visit him, Elizabeth. <laughs> okay. And she dated everybody, but she was also dating Zahedi <laughs> at the time. And then all of a sudden, you know, Khomeini from France is sending these tapes. Before there was YouTube, there were these tapes that would go viral. So guys were sitting there recording these tapes and giving it away to people. And Khomeini's talking about how bad it is, what's going on in Iran, and how he put this party together, the 2,500 year party in Iran. And that was the end of it. I cannot believe you spent this much money. Look how much money you're spending on the lavish party. He invited everybody to Iran. If you ever see the pictures of this party, it's insane what he did with the party. And then eventually, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter comes in, December 31st, 1977. There's a toast. Jimmy Carter says, this is a very important partner to us. The moment he, le imagine New Year's, you can be anywhere in the world. He's in Iran, okay? He leaves. Next thing you know, gradually, revolution starts, mm. one by one by one. And then eventually, nine million people revolted after this event that took place. Uh, Sinamar wrecks fire in a city called Abadan. Abadan is like a uh, bunch of provinces. It's a, it was a beautiful place. This movie theater, 400 people are in there. They locked the doors from both ends. They turned the place on fire. People die. Holy the police shit. station is right across the street. Khomeini says it was uh, Shah's people that did a Savak. Savak is like the CIA MI6. And the Shah says, we didn't do anything here. Why would we kill 400 people? Khomeini's, uh, Shah's people like Khomeini's people did this. Anyways, the people believe Khomeini's camp and they said Shah was behind this. Long story short, I'm born October 1878, which is at the peak of Sinema Rex fire. Uh, my mother, when we're, you know, we're going to the hospital, curfew 10 o'clock, they have to be escorted. I go to the hospital, I'm born. Uh, three months later, Shah's out, and then Iran falls, and the rest is history. What happens to Christians in Iran at this time? It's a scary time to be a Christian. It's a scary time to be Baha'i. It is a scary time to be pro-Shah. It is a scary time to be... Uh, any military leader, part of Shah's camp, they were, you know, Your killing them left and right. father was connected to the Shah? No, he was a fan of the Shah. Uh -huh. my, my dad was a regular guy. We don't come from a, a lot of money. Uh, but my dad, they were imperialists, and my mother, they were communists. Mm. My mother's family, they were strong communists and at the time. And so they couldn't stand the Shah. You know, she, they were happy the Shah fell. Hmm. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of my mom thinks rich people are greedy. My dad thinks poor people are lazy. And I'm seeing this debate going back. It's yeah, the yeah. best debate ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, are your uh, father's welcome son. Welcome to America. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let me you tell you, my, my mother taught me the paranoia side. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you need that in business. I think you need that in life. I think you need that. What do you mean by that, the paranoia? Paranoia, where you got it, you know, only the paranoid survive. Andy Grove, the Hungarian entrepreneur who ran Intel, he's the godfather of Silicon Valley where everybody admired this guy. He wrote a book in the 80s and maybe the early 90s called Only the Paranoid Survive in the mm. Game of Business. If you're not paranoid, boom, somebody takes you out. Same in the military, same in business. You need a little bit of that. So growing up in this kind of a climate in Iran, you're always like, are you Christian? Why do you ask instead of, yes, I am? Mm. You know, uh -huh. hey, what nationality are you? Instead of giving the answers, like what's the motive behind mm. the question? Because you're a little bit paranoid. So 
That kind of helps. I know people may look at it and say, was that really a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a very good thing. Okay, so then from Iran, you guys flee. Yes. Go to Germany. Yes. Refugee camp. Yep. Are you worried about going to like a camp in Germany, given the history of that? Yeah, that was cool. (laughs) Let me put it to you this way, man. I mean, for us in Iran, when Khomeini died, uh, this is like, he died June 2nd, I want to say, 89. Uh, June 2nd or 3rd. He dies. I'm in school. Parents can't find me. You know, there is no Uber, tax, this, that, riots, protesting everywhere. I'm trying to find my mom. I'm 10 years old. And we finally do. They take us home. We get to the house. My mom and dad have this exchange together. We got to get the hell out of here. Oh. We're not staying here. If he stays here, he's got to serve the military here. Boom. Six weeks later, we go to Germany, refugee camp. We're on the plane, Lufthansa. And you hear the announcer saying, you know, uh, you're free to drink alcohol. We've officially crossed the border. And that's <laughs> when everybody felt free. Because nobody thought it was real until they that said moment. you can drink alcohol. Wow. Wow. It's a very wild moment, yeah. I will never forget that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, you land. What's the refugee camp in Germany like? I mean, listen, man, it's not what you think. It's just a bunch of people that are trying to fight for freedom. You know, we're all uh, from Poland, from Czech, Czechoslovakia at the time, Yugoslavia, family, you know, Anna Maria, Miodrag, you know, the staff family over here. And we're all living together. Every, they would come, they would drop off the food. You would go pick it up, the apple, you know, juice, all this stuff, milk. You would bring it in. We had a small little park. It was an army base right next to us. And so we would go and look over the building to see what the guys were blowing up in the army base. So um, that's what it was like. And, and, you know, you'd go to school and they would look at you, you know, you came to our country and you're making it worse because there was some, you know, a lot of things were going on with the stabbing, the fights, all this stuff. So I'm a Middle Eastern guy. You automatically put that person in the, you can't blame the guys to be thinking that because there was a lot of that going on in Germany, but it was, it was a, uh, it was a different experience. How do you get to America? Uh, So we're there for about a year and a half. Eventually we get the green card and uh, we get the call, we're going. And it's November 28, 1990. We land in New York. Uh, I'm looking for uh, Rocky. I'm looking for Goonies. (laughs) I'm looking for Gremlins. If you remember Gremlins back in the days, I'm like, where are these guys at? I couldn't find any of them. Eventually we got to LA. There's some gremlins out here. There is some gremlins out here. And then eventually we get to LA from New York and you know. Now, any idea why LA, sorry. Well, I mean, you Everybody's have to in LA. pay respect to Mecca, right? Which is Glendale. Glendale, that's right. what I, that was my thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Granada Hills, then Glendale. And then yeah. we stayed in Glendale for six years. Oh, yeah. wow. So was Everybody that, was looks that, like this in Glendale, by the way. Your yeah. parents' plan the whole time was to go to Glendale? No, 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 not at all. My, my my dad wanted to stay, but my dad also had a sister in Chicago. So he would always come back and forth from Chicago. In 84, he comes back. He brings this tape with the best 80s song. So when we came and you played the 80s music, it was sick because every time I listen to 80s, I go back to that tape. By the way, whoever picked the songs, I'm still trying to figure this out. Marquita. Calvin Harris, Shazde Khanum, you know, all this stuff he played. It was great. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, uh, it, it was a great experience. It was okay, a great experience. you're growing up in LA. You feel probably a little bit more comfortable, I imagine, because you're growing up around a lot of people who kind of look like you, mm-hmm. shared experience. I think at this time, there's a lot of Persians that are moving into Beverly Hills. They also left after the shop yep. fell, right? So there's, so now maybe you don't feel as uh, out of place. Is that fair to say? I felt out of place in Germany. I didn't feel out of place in uh, No, in I'm Glendale. saying in, in, in Absolutely, LA. you're right. Okay. I feel out of, uh, out of um, you're in place in Glendale. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The, the desire to be American, right? To prove your Americanness. 
Does that happen when you're a kid moving here, you're seeing the movies and you're like, I wanna take part in this experiment? Does it happen when you're in LA? I'm wondering because you go to the Air Force and I've always thought that like, that is a way of proving that you're willing to pay the price to be part of this amazing experiment. Was that your motivation? So, you know, the, the, the concept, the evolution of becoming a proud American probably happened due to a few different events. One of them I would say is as you age, whatever your parents sold you, whatever your teachers sold you, whatever the pastor's uncle sold you, then you find the contradictions and the arguments. And you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Because in Iran, you've grown up in an environment where everybody says, mad, bad, America, mad, bad, America, death upon America. And they're flagellating their back and you're like looking outside hearing these 10,000 men screaming like, why death upon America? It's the evil empire, it's horrible. Let me tell you what they do, they're They're behind all the wars and they do this and they're like, okay, maybe they're right, maybe they're not. I don't know yet, skeptical, let me find out for myself. Rich people are greedy and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? The only way you become rich is to help other people around you also become rich. You can't become rich by yourself. Most people that build a company that grew up they don't have 100% equity in the company. Mm. You have to share the equity. Other people come in. You have to have jobs. You have to recruit good people. You have to keep them. You're about to lose a guy. You don't give him that race. He's going to go elsewhere. You can't become rich by yourself. You're going to need other people that's going to help you out. So contradictions. Then I joined the military. I'm in the Army, 101st Airborne Division. It's September of 97. We walk in the unit. They say, there's a movie coming out. It's about our unit. As long as we can get it, we watch a movie. I'm all in. I love movies. So we go. 600 kids, when I say kids, 18 to 25. <laughs> this movie, you're gonna be the first to see it before it's public because it's about your unit. You have to be proud about this movie. It's your unit, it's the badge. <laughs> it's, I'm like, okay, great, let's see what this is. Saving Private Ryan. No. Let me tell no. you, dude, no. movie ends. We're all on fire, emotional. <laughs> I'm gonna seize the, I'm gonna take care of my life. I'm so fired up about this movie. Then I'm coming out saying, you know what? I'm proud to be an American. Then we go to one of the military ceremonies, whether it was Memorial Day or 4th of July, and I'm looking at these 40-year-old generals, toughest men in tears coming down and they have a look like this, but they're crying because they lost a soldier and you know how they fought for freedom and everybody else kicking it, hanging out. They're not thinking about the people that had the hard lives and I'm interviewing these guys. What was it like? What was he like? Who's your friend? Who's this? And he graduated like, listen, man, this is, this is an incredible country. And then more and more and more, as you come up and a regular guy like this with a 4.6 GPA, <laughs> 15, 10 SAT, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're like, uh, man, you can actually win here. And then gradually the levels to winning keeps going. And you're like, you know, what else is possible here? It's just like playing a game. I'm gonna play this game out and see where it goes. And then obviously I can sell, this is the greatest country in the world uh, comfortably in many different ways, results, freedom, you know, what we've been able to produce, why so many people come here. If we're a restaurant, it's a restaurant that's always full. Everybody's in line trying to get into this restaurant. Even when we're busy, even more people wanna come here legally, illegally, risk their lives. It doesn't matter, everybody wants to come here. So now, that doesn't guarantee this place is gonna stay this great. Mm. You know, I'm having breakfast with a, 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 a very successful man in, in Hollywood and, we're, we're going back and forth and the question that becomes, okay, so now what do we do? I got four kids. I got an 11 year old, nine year old, six year old, she's gonna be seven tomorrow. And I got a two year old, she'll be two in a month. We have a great life. 
But man, can you imagine? It's kind of like, well, I made my money. I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to put myself out there because I'm just kind of want to be invited to all these parties. I don't want to be not invited to these parties. I don't want to be not part of these networks. No, we got to do our part as well. So mm. I feel there's a responsibility now to uh, to bring it from a different angle. You know, I'm Middle Eastern, so I can talk to white, black, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, Asian, Christian, atheist, rich, poor, middle, upper, educated, uneducated. Let's talk. Let's hash it out. Let's see how many things we have in common and what things we disagree with. Give me your argument why. Give me your argument why. Now let's see what we got there. So. I think that's that's kind of the concept of what happened with the love for America. I wanted to ask you a question. When you're growing up, you come here. What's your mentality about how you're going to take advantage of being in America? Are you looking at it like, I'm going to start my own business. I oh, have no capitalism way. at my fingertips. No. I came here not trusting America. I came here like looking at the white man like, I've learned a lot about you, Mr. White Man. You know, <laughs> I see you coming to school in the BMW and we're coming in in the used 79 Honda Accord hatchback, you know, that only goes drive, doesn't go reverse. Okay, you're, you're <laughs> special. You think you're better than me, right? So yeah. that, that bit of animosity or kind of looking at them uh, funny, that was there. There was nothing about I'm going to come here to become rich and do this. No, mm -hmm. of course, don't get me wrong. I was the dreamer since I was a kid. Uh, Wilson Jr. High School, we're coming down Verdugo. I'd be the guy, say we're all walking down and I'd say, listen, guys, question for you. Okay, you got one of four choices. Which one do you want to be? You can be the richest man in America, Bill Gates. You can be the best athlete in America, Michael Jordan. You can be the best performer in the world, Michael Jackson. Or you can be the president. Who do you want to be? And we debated for 30 minutes. Who would you great. be? At that time, it would probably be uh, money because I grew poor. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of money. So it was more that. And now, if I could jump 48 inches, then listen. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's not even a question about it. Same answer right now. You'd be the athlete if you could jump 48 inches. Michael? It's not just an athlete. Yeah, Michael, no, like, Michael on, you're no. going to get the billion because yeah, you're Michael Jordan. It's Michael. Yeah, yeah that's. Right. I just want to make sure you were saying No, that. man, it's Michael. You know, it's, it's Michael Jordan. I would Jordan. never want to be Bill Gates. Yeah. yeah. Nah. Ever. I have zero interest in being yeah. Bill Gates. Most yeah. of those answers sounded unappealing. Which one? Uh, Michael Jackson, God, nobody wants to be that. Uh, Bill nah, Gates, nah. Jesus Michael. Christ. No, no, Michael Jackson. I would be MJ. I'd be MJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them are MJs, that. by the way. So which MJ are you talking Michael, about? Michael Jackson. I go you Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. That's what I'm saying. That's like given his affliction. That, that's he has pre, pre yeah. knowing all of that. I could have saved all those kids. He has a serious affliction. I'm doing it to save the kids. I got you. You guys are trying to energy source, man. No, 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 no. It's Jordan, but then Jackson. Jackson would be second. Why though? Why Jackson? I mean, out of Gates and president, he president, I don't want to be yeah, like, yeah, that's too much. Okay, that sucks. So that's kind yeah. of what the angle you're growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like if you're Michael and you have aspirations to do the other two, you can't, you know, but if, if you're, you're Jordan, yeah, if, if you're, you're Jordan, Jordan, you could yeah, be president. You, you could be president and you're going to be a billionaire. He is. He's not going to have a yeah. problem with that. By the way, did you guys watch the movie air or no? Uh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Fantastic. Three times in the first week I watched. Wow, wow. wow. Fr we took the whole team to why. You'll see why. <laughs> yeah. Sick movie. New tour dates. First of all, thank you guys so much for selling out all these shows. It's been amazing. We added a couple new cities. Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm coming there June 9th and 10th. Okay. Um, Reno, we added that second show. Very low ticket. Warning on that. So June 24th, make sure you get whatever's left over there. Uh, we added Oklahoma City. We're going to be there. 21st and 22nd of July. Uh, Bethlehem, PA, thank you guys so much for selling out the show. Uh, we are adding a second show. That should be up by now. Um, and then Atlantic City, man. 
Uh, we're going to look into potentially doing another show there as well. That's been crazy. You guys have been gobbling up tickets to that. Thank you guys so much for that. Also, Calgary. We'll see you guys out there in August. Thank you guys so much. DeAndreSchultz.com for the tickets. And, you know, I love doing this more than anything, so I can't wait to see you guys out there. Peace. Are you like a LeBron guy or a Michael guy? I'm curious. I, I, You're like diplomatic. I They're of, both great. It's not, it's, not dip, <laughs> it's, it's not diplomacy, but it's like Michael did some things to me, like, Whoa, as hey. a Knicks fan. Hey, yo. Right? <laughs> I'm in Chicago. You want to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do it. Jackson. That's what I'm saying. So, 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 like, as a Knicks fan, yeah. Michael Jordan broke my heart, right? And then I also got to experience Jordan when the athleticism was starting to wane, and he was just willing himself to victory. So I started to root for the guy who broke my heart, like when that series against the Pacers. I don't know if you remember this, and it was like I found like greatness transformed my hatred for him mm -hmm. into adulation. So I have like the ultimate respect for, for Jordan, but also with Braun. Like I, I remember being there when he sealed the three one when he was down three one and came back. State. I was yeah. literally in like fucking Aruba or something like that. I was sitting next to a guy and his wife who were from Ohio randomly in Aruba. Oh and it was like us, some Swedes. There was like eight people watching this game. And the guy from Ohio just starts crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was just that like he couldn't believe what just happened. And I saw that. So yeah, I think it's, I think if you're being objective and you've actually grown up with both of them, the kids who never saw Jordan, they only know him as a guy who makes sneakers. Like, of course you don't know what greatness is. Sure, it's, it's Michael though. You, Bro, it's, it's, Michael. it's Jordan. It's Jordan. And I'll say this. It's Jordan because Jordan is, is a hundred percenter. Michael Irvin said this when he came on the podcast. He goes, I'm a hundred percenter. We go, what, do you, what does that mean? He goes, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm giving a hundred percent. Right, I'm giving 100%, that it is what it is. And Michael didn't need any extra motivation. He didn't need the playoffs. He didn't need the finals. It could be a random game on a Thursday and he is gonna give 100% and break you. And he'd have to make up that motivation sometimes. But that level of competitiveness, I don't know if we've seen matched with his skill level ever. And I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Yeah, closest it came was Kobe. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's Michael, but I also get annoyed with the Michael guys who just shit on everything LeBron does. And it's like, yo, LeBron is second. And it's fairly close. Uh, it, but indisputable. It is yeah. Indisputable that he is, uh, 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 if you can't look, I'm a Kobe guy. Do you think that's how Jews were when Jesus came around? They were like, nah, bro. Like, <laughs> nah, he's not like our guy. I mean, he's nice, kind of. You know what I mean? And then like Christians when Muhammad came around, like maybe that's just what happens. Like you always Paris. hate on. <laughs> you, you gotta re respect Muhammad's game, but Jesus, when he did it, you know, <laughs> Jesus walked on water. water. <laughs> like, what you want? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, okay. So you have this crazy thing. You go, you become crazy successful, right? Uh, you get some confidence from the military, I imagine. Yeah. When do you go, like, and why finance? You go from the military to finance. Why? Man, I love numbers. I so love simple numbers. as that. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love numbers. Oh yeah, I love anything to do. Everything here is numbers. Number of cameras, angles, how you're seated, you know, the books, you know, the, the buy books by foot, you know, 10 feet, 20 feet here. Everything you is You know numbers. how much you love numbers? You yeah. took the SAT and then walked out of the verbal portion. <laughs> which means you literally just True wanted story. to take the yeah. SAT I, listen, yeah. I, I, I'm not getting into college, yeah. I just wanna do this test. And I, I love, listen, when I was in the army, I bought a math analysis book just to do math analysis in the army, in my barracks. That's how we, this is not a story I proudly share, but that's how much I love numbers. So when I when I worked at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter and I'm looking at the series seven, everything, they're like, you realize you're gonna fail this test. You know, if you fail it, you're not gonna get a job here. I'm like, let me give it a shot. And then you take the series seven. First time, if you fail, you lost your, you, you, you get fired, boom. 
I'm like, I love this world. Look at this. What if you can do this and you can take money and do this with it? And but this is what about this investment? How about the? It's a beautiful game. I mean, to me, capitalism is all a game. If if you if you look at this game of like the whole concept of business, you're playing a game and you're killing it, right? I mean, flagrant. You guys are killing it. Your podcast, your show as a comedian, the whole concept of a comedian, how you do it. You know, if you're too disconnected from the audience, you're not going on the road to kind of see the reaction, how they reacted, how many of the people reacting to this joke, men, women, most of them were men, none of them were women. What if I can do this? How about if I can? That's all numbers. Everything yeah. with your world is also mathematical formula behind it. So for me, when I got into the financial services, I was like, oh, I found my home. Mm. And I said, I'm gonna go 20 years. Mm. Yeah, I said, I'm gonna go 20 years. And then I went 20 years, October of 09, uh, after Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, I go to Transamerica. I'm there seven and a half years. Yeah. Then I see what's going on in the marketplace. And I'm seeing the fact that, you know, the insurance industry is filled with 56-year-old white male. Yeah. And I saw no one else is going from women selling insurance. Do you, you know? know anything about insurance at this time? Nothing. My parents have never Did you owned have a 401k. Insurance? My parents have I've never lived in a house my parents owned. They've never owned insurance. They've never. <laughs> we didn't even have auto insurance back in the days. Nothing. <laughs> the car didn't Literally, go my dad yeah, was yeah. a uh, <laughs> he was a cashier at a ninety-nine cent store. No, we got nothing, zero. Okay. And I kept asking my mom, I was like, "You guys sure we don't have some kind of a relative that's got oil? I'm looking for one uncle. <laughs> Does anybody have money? Nothing, zero. So communist. So you're like, all yeah. right, fuck it. I'll just dominate the insurance business. Yeah. Now, how did you dominate? You said there was a, a basically a white space where everybody is yeah. white male so and that you can. Let me tell you, there was a couple of things that was going on. This applies to every business. This applies to whatever you do in your life. So these guys wrote this book called Blue Ocean Strategy. If you've mm -hmm. never read it, you got to read it. Okay, so in the whole concept of Blue Ocean Strategy is how can you be, everybody's making fun of these guys. How about if I'm not going to compete for this space, I'm going to go do comedy here. Everybody's mm -hmm. playing this game. I'm going to, everybody's selling to these guys. I'm going to go sell here. So. I'm looking at insurance and I said, okay, everybody's targeting this audience. No one's targeting the fastest growing audience in America's the Hispanic audience. And no one is recruiting women. Only 17% of agents are women. You're kidding me. No, perfect. That's what we're going to be doing. Boom. We uh, target that audience. The financial industry was going away from social media because they were scared. Everything was, every communication you have with your client, you have to document it. We can't do that. Social media is not waiting for you. So I dropped my securities license. I focused only on life. Fast forward to today. We just sold a company a year ago. We have roughly 45,000 people we've licensed in 49 different states. 54% or so are women. 51% are Hispanic. In a company. Mm -hmm. And the average age is 34 years old. You come to a convention, you're gonna look at the audience, you're gonna say, there's no way in the world this is an insurance conference. It's a big ass party. How much how much did you sell the company for? A few hundred million dollars. A few hundred yeah. million is a wonderful way to wow. say yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you get complete financial freedom, you don't have to work another day in your life. I don't have to work a single day in my life. And then you decide to be a YouTuber. <laughs> well, you know, the YouTube thing kind of started 2013. Right. Well, I'm like, yeah, let me do a video a week called Two Minutes with Pat. We yeah. do 100 videos. Only the last video was two minutes. Everything else was seven minutes, nine minutes, 12 yeah. minutes. And then uh, we kind of grow and I'm like, listen, there's an audience for entrepreneurship. Let's pick one word. We went entrepreneur, created a bunch of business content. And I said, I'm not touching politics. Every time I did politics, Mario would say, Pat, you're talking politics. This is not politics. Pat, you said you don't want to do political content. Okay, let's, we can't do this one. Let's change it. And then eventually I take a break. We're at a, like 450,000 subs. And I said, I'm not doing this right now. We took a three-month break. I was having kids and families busy. I'm traveling six months on the road. 
So I said, if we come back, we got to really compete. We got to really do something with this. And then we bought the domain Valuetainment yeah. from a publicly traded company. And we picked it up. They changed their companies into Valuetees. Then we started changing the structure. We're going to do some interviews. We're going to talk to some people like yourself. And boom, that became interesting. We do an interview with Michael Francis. It's on the cover of World Star. Everybody's messaging us. And I'm like, wait a minute, this thing just got that many views? This thing got this many views? Yeah. What can we do now? Michael Frances is a uh, famous mobster, mobster. Yeah. Wait, yeah. out of Long Island or something like that? Where was he? Right working? around here. He was, he was yeah. making, uh, you know, uh, uh, anywhere between two to 10 million a week in a, a gas yeah. business. Yeah, he was a smart mobster. He was a smart mobster. Rare. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He found a hack. Yes. What was it? What was the gas hack again? The gas tax. Was the forty-one cent discount this is, this he can give you? This is you brilliant. Yeah, because he wasn't paying the gas tax. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he could, connected with the actual gas stations, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Break him it and down. the Russian, him and the Russian mob worked together closely, and he could get gas cheaper than anybody else for you. Twenty cent discount for you, mm. and everybody was calling him. He was the guy that was running everybody. And then next thing you know, they're like, "Wait a minute, this guy's making the the Fortune magazine comes at the top." 50 most powerful mobsters in America. He's on like number 13 list at the age of 38. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute, why is this guy? He's on this not list? even a boss. I don't even know if he, he was, was made at the time, right? Was he, he, he was a capo. Okay. He was a capo. So there's the boss, the conciliary, the underboss, then you have capo. He was yeah. a capo. Okay. Sammy was a underboss under Gotti, but and Sammy made money, but Michael was known as the earner. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you get into these mob guys and you're doing a bunch of these interviews. Yeah. And when do you pivot? When does it become, when do you feel like you can affect culture a little bit more? Because I feel like now that you're tapping more into culture, I don't like to call it politics because I think politics is a reflection of culture, but I feel like you're talking a lot more about culture and the things that you're saying. It's not only motivational stuff when it comes to business, but it's also opinion when it comes to you know societal breakdown, if you will. So so you know in, in Hollywood they they look at actors like Justin Timberlake and they call him what? You know, they call him triple threat, right? This guy yeah. can dance, he can sing, he can act. Yeah. Right. There's not a lot of them out there that are good in those three areas, right? If you were to look at some of the names, maybe you put Will Smith in there, maybe you put Chris Brown in there, but then you have Justin Timberlake. Yeah. That's there. Okay. Jamie Foxx. 100% Jamie yeah. Foxx. Yeah, 100% Jamie Foxx. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I'm looking at the game and I'm studying everybody. And I said, okay, this guy is a great host. That is a skill set. What's a great host? What do you think? What do you think? Do you agree with each other? What do you disagree with what he has to say? How about yourself? So that's a whole, that's a skill set, right? To be a great host. Like Larry King is a great host. But nobody will say what was Larry King's opinion on XYZ. That's not his game. Hmm. He played this, right? Ernie Johnson on Inside the NBA. He, say that again. Ernie Johnson on Inside the NBA. Ernie Shaq, Johnson Inside the NBA. Absolutely. He is a great host, right? But if I ask you right now, what is Ernie's opinion on XYZ? You're not going to think about it, right? Yeah. Then you have talent opinion, Barkley. Yeah. That guy makes the show, right? Yeah. Talent opinion, you know, here's what I think we ought to, they're making a mistake. These guys are a bunch of idiots. You know, San Antonio underwears are the biggest, you know, let me tell you, yeah, like, what yeah, is yeah. this guy talking about? Yeah. But he's entertaining. Yeah. Chuck, you can't say that. Why'd you just say that? So I gotta say this, the truth. Okay, mm -hmm. so you got a host, you got the, uh, the, the talent, uh, the opinion, and then you got analyst, yeah. Kenny Smith, which means, let me give you an idea why based on this data, da, 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 da. Yeah. okay? Each is attracted by a different kind of an audience, right? 
if you can do all three, now you got a different kind of a element of talent. So for, for me, I looked at this and I said, okay, I enjoy this, okay? I enjoy listening to banter conversation, but then I got opinions about different things. So there is risk with the opinion game. Big time. That's the risk. So a lot of times, I had, again, I had a meeting with this guy today, billionaire, business guy, Hollywood music. You know, what we talked about for breakfast, you can't talk in his world and give what he really thinks about, mm -hmm. his opinion. If he does, it could ruin a lot of his business and his life. Yeah. So there's a risk into doing that. One, eventually, I said, you know what? I'm gonna do this with Vitamin. Here's my opinion, here's what I believe, here's what I do. If you don't like it, I totally get it, but I'm gonna give it to you for my POV. And then I'm gonna do PBD podcast and I wanna talk about everything. And I got a lot of interest in culture, family, parenting, kids, economy, politics, add them all together. So there was an evolution in it. First, I was just creating content to talk business. Then I started interviewing, then it's opinion. And then, you know, that's kind of, it came about. Do you think you'd be able to do it if you were still running the insurance business? Not the way I'm doing it today. Because they'd attack you for it. Oh, my, they're doing it today. But I say, okay, great, what do you want me to do? Really? Uh, I haven't seen a lot of people go at you yet. No, no, when I'm <laughs> yeah. from the space. <laughs> oh, it will happen. In the space. <laughs> yeah. In the space, in the insurance industry. So when I'm- oh, of course, they're competing with you When I'm building there. the company and I'm in the process of wanting to sell the company, yeah. If the company has a category where my opinions are linked to X, Y, Z, a buyer doesn't want to buy the company because did you hear what the founder said? Mm -hmm. Did you hear what this guy said? There, there's an element of yeah. that where you have to massage your way through on what you really want to say. I think it's wise to do it anyways, uh, uh, but today the handcuffs are the handcuffs are off today. Was that also yeah. part of the draw of starting your own YouTube channel? Is I sold my business, or not starting, but really getting into it. Now I can finally say what I feel, whereas before you had to conceal it. For yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's a liberation to having the fuck you money. Yeah, fuck, I can tell you fuck you. Exactly, especially if you're, gonna, if you're gonna have very strong opinions, and you have very strong opinions. Yeah, do you worry about that at all? Like, hmm, how do I say it? It's like, you're operating, I feel like, within, you're operating at the top of your bubble, and then by bubble, I mean, there's a specific lane on YouTube, which you really tap into. And there's also another lane, which is like Florida. I feel like in Florida, you're like Rogan. Like when I was walking around after doing your pod, everybody's, oh, I just saw you on PBD. And that was the same thing after I did Rogan, like the first time, just walking around. People like, oh, shit, I just saw you Rogan, et cetera. And, but I feel like what happens is every time you bubble out of that, right, you're going to get the scrutiny of the casuals. Right, the people who don't really know you, don't know your experience, don't know your story, they start hearing about you and they're gonna have resentment or animosity for your opinions that are different and then they start attacking you for the things you said. And you've said some people would go very wild things. Some people would also say that's very rational, your take, right? Depending on your like politics. But I feel like when you offered Tucker the 100 million, right? That was outside of bubble. Did you feel some heat after that? Oh, absolutely. Big time, right? Absolutely. It was what, great. what did people say? Oh, but you let, like it. Listen, you want to dance. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I can't even describe it to you. Like, I get excited when I even think about the, what that's going to look like. You know, look, for me, uh, everybody fights in a different way. Okay, there's different styles to fighting. Uh, you know, when, when you have a fighting style where, you know, Larry Holmes versus Ali versus, you know, you know, uh, all the Ken Norton versus, you know, Foreman versus, you can go and look at everybody. So that's a different style on how they would fight, right? 
I think in this world of communication, there's a different way to fight and deliver your message, yet stand your ground, but at the same time, maintain a relationship with the other individual. That is an art. It's not easy to do. It's very hard. Mm. And the way you do it is by, I think what is unattractive is the following, is when you're 100% I'm right, you're wrong, yeah, you're yeah, an yeah, idiot, yeah, you're yeah, a moron, yeah, and yeah. some people do it that way. Yeah. I don't think you're opening up the door to want to have that exchange. Yeah. But I think if there's an opportunity to say, listen, man, find some, leak some argument. What yeah. do you think? I love yeah. that you do that. Yeah, That's tell a me. Very to, cool thing. Maybe I'm off. Yeah. Tell me you, where I'm off. I'm okay with that. If I can compliment you yeah. a bit more, not only do you bring on people that were going to disagree with you, you don't bring on like punching bags from the other side that you could just bully in an argument. You bring on smart people who make great cases. And I think that's really cool and rare in this space. And going off what uh, Andrew said about you get hate from the general audience that doesn't necessarily know you, how would you describe yourself? To them or to, to who? To, to every, everyone in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 I think it has to do with how, how long, like, for example, I'm asking him about the story, okay? The, the, the unique story of this building next door, right? Mom, how he grew up down the street, how far, the bike. They don't want him to ride the bike because he goes the other way. October 30th, birthday, 40, family, yesterday's exchange in text. I'm curious about this guy as a product, right? I'm curious about him as a human being. But he didn't become who he is today because of what I've consumed of him the last five years. I want to know what prompted this guy to be here. Unfortunately, in America, too many times our judgment is on who this person is. Chelsea Handler makes this video, perfect example. Chelsea Handler makes this video calling out Adam, one of our guys. And he, he, she says, well, look at this guy, Alpha. Trust me, you are definitely not an Alpha. He gives me the SDE energy. And trust me, I can tell you for a fact, this guy on Alpha Motivation Zero, you're not Alpha. This is coming from an Alpha. You're a zero is what you are. So she calls him out and she talks about the fact that it's, it's incredible to be childless. It's phenomenal to wake up and not have any kids, have sex with anybody you want, drink as much alcohol. All this shit, she says, video goes viral, 50 million views on Twitter, right? Whatever the number is. Okay, so the average girl is gonna watch that and say what? That's right, screw that SDE. I also wanna drink and be able to be with any man. I don't wanna have any kids. Does anybody even wanna have this kind of responsibility in life? I wanna be free because we're equal as men. Screw them, I don't need them, great. Then you go read her memoir where she tells a story about when she was nine years old, at the age of nine, her brother, she describes who was 22, I think they have six kids total, mom and dad, I think one was a car salesman, it was a good family, six kids. The older brother, 22, she calls him my second father, my first boyfriend, I was in love with him in a way of loving my older brother, but he was my world. He's going on a mountain hiking uh, a trip. His last words to her was, can I wait to see when I get back? The guy dies climbing a mountain while she's nine years old. He never comes back. Then when he dies, she says, my mom and dad lost it. The man I needed next was my dad. My dad, I didn't have my dad anymore because he lost his mind. I don't blame him. He says, in that moment, I realized the pain of losing someone I love. And secondly, I saw my dad, the pain he went through of losing his child. Of course, I want to have a hard time with yeah. commitment and wanting to have kids and get yeah. married. Do you blame her? Yeah. When you read this story, then you're like, okay, Chelsea, I understand. It's easy to troll her. And it's easy for her to troll other men. 
But we don't know that story. So if somebody from the outside says, who's Patrick Bay David? Here's a rich guy. He's probably raised in a, you know, I remember there was a time in the third year, the insurance company, I was paying comp more than my competitors were. A rumor started circulating saying Pat's linked to oil money. And you know what I did with that rumor? I ran with it. I said, you're right, I have oil money. I can pay the kind of money you can't pay. I don't have oil money, right? That worked at a 99 cent store in Inglewood by Great Western Forum 15 years. But I love that rumor, so I ran with it. So if somebody doesn't know your story, great. You can say what you can say. So if I face opposition, I tell them, how much you know about me? Tell me your story. Tell me about your upbringing. Why did you come to the conclusion of the opinions that you have today? Tell me. I remember when this happened, that, okay, great. Can I tell you why I came to this conclusion? Yes, here's mine. Is it fair that we have different reasons why we came to this conclusion? You had life-changing experiences, I did as well. How about we respect each other? Let me make my case to you, you make your case to me. Let's see if anybody can persuade the other person. You game with that? Let's have a civil conversation. So that's typically what happens when I face somebody that fully disagrees uh, with some of my views. Who has fully disagreed? Uh, I mean, it, it, and it's not even, you'd be amazed. They'll come to me and say, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're supportive of Trump on what he does. And I see who you're, you're MAGA. I'm like, I've never worn a MAGA hat. I'm not a Trump guy. Yeah. I'm a guy that That's protects. the only thing I don't like about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right about everything else, yeah. but, Trump but yeah, the Trump side. Yeah, yeah, by the way, I gotta Trump, tell you, dude, yeah. one thing I gotta respect the group you guys got here. For the record, Andrew's never here. worn a MAGA hat because he doesn't want to cover the This hair. is the part that <laughs> I was so impressed with your group. I got an email, just so everybody's wondering why I'm dressed like this. These guys run a tight shop. Email came in. Pat has to wear a three-piece suit yep. with a tie. Yep. I had to yeah. come here at 9.30 in the morning, two hours of makeup. Couldn't yep. believe that. Yep. Obviously. But the you want to be president or not? Yep. The flag I saw, <laughs> the big MAGA flag I saw in your building here impressed <laughs> the living crap out it's of Soho, me. Soho, New York. I got to tell That's you. That's ballsy. And by the way, it's so ballsy. They have it on the window for people yep. that are walking by yep. to see it. Yep. That's when you know what you got what do they do? Impressed. They pay homage. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. They pay homage. Yeah. The they eggs they were throwing back. It was very impressive. The ladies at the Virgin. We had it right next Very to the impressive. pride flag. So yeah. it's like, you know, and it's a mega pride flag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Make America <laughs> gay again. again. Let's go, baby. <laughs> That's what it is. We're making America yeah. gay again down yeah. here. That's why we fluffed you before so, the show. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's going on in Florida then? We have DeSantis just kind of announced. Can you help him at all? Like, what's the deal? This he, is rough. He sounds unbelievably corny. He is. And everybody tells you, they go, DeSantis is the guy, like he has all the right ideas and this. And then you hear him talk and you just imagine like him pushing, pushing his bifocals up his nose yeah. every single sentence. Is that says. your guy? Sure. Yeah, so so <laughs> let, me, let me explain it from a different perspective. Soft so yes. kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's not, but I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Trust me, if you go watch my clips, their, their camp can't stand what I say. How the hell do you announce presidency third week of May and you launch your book February 28th, and you promote it based on going on two different interviews, that you do 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, however many interviews you did. You don't go on Megyn Kelly, you don't go on different podcasts or sell the book, you don't go anywhere. Everybody forgot about your book. Oh, I just wrote the book. You didn't just write the book, you wrote the book because that's how you run for office. Mm. You write a book, you make your launch on Elon Musk, and yesterday on the launch, he would have said, if you wanna know what I stand for. Read my book. One, read my book, two, Go to this website, and yesterday would have been number one book on Amazon. A few hundred thousand people would have bought the book. Then the next promotion layer comes in. Then he would have sold a few million copies. Now we're sitting there saying, "Wow, well, I like the way he explained this with his upbringing." I like so complete screw up on the marketing side. Mm -hmm. 
I have I don't understand what they did there. We were with them a couple of weeks ago at the governor's mansion for six hours. They invited a small group of uh, ten or fifteen people to sit there and watch him on what's going on, just to see how he handled himself. And and I'm kind of watching the whole thing. These are all guys that are descent, great guys. You know some of these names that are in there. Uh, I'm in Florida because of him. When we were in Texas and we're thinking about where to build a media company, it was going back to Newport Beach. It was coming down here to Greenwich. It was going to Tennessee. It was Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, or staying in Dallas. DeSantis is the reason why we are in Fort Lauderdale. Because mm. if Texas, which we love, and California, which we love many parts of, if those two guys it's had a Florida. baby, it's Florida, okay? Mm. So, ah. you know, it, the, 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 and by the way, Florida's waiting for you as well to make your move down there here. You know, yeah, we'll I see. know it's gonna take a minute, it's gonna we'll take see. a while, it's gonna take some It's gonna take a hundred million dollar offer, that's what it's gonna take. Offer, you may get something like that. Okay. But, uh, let's uh, talk. You know, but, but the point is Florida to me, uh, uh, with what he's done, great. Now, here's a question. Watch this question. I ask you guys how you answer this. Okay. Who here? <laughs> I love you, Pat. Who here? <laughs> who here? Who here? Watch this. When I answered this, you would this, mop the floor with all these guys, dude. It sucks. It, it sucks you have to be born in America to be yeah. president because you would mop yeah. the fucking yeah, you floor you with a, these guys. Yeah, It'd be charisma. so good. is hype man or like but, impractical jokers. Put an earpiece in them or something. I, I just don't know if DeSantis has the charisma. That's a, And I want to get back to it, but like, there's just something so funny about you going up against these guys. I wonder if, we had discussed this on your pod, if you do military service, maybe you get to run for president. By the if way, you're willing to die for the country, yeah. shouldn't you get American all the spoils of the country? Of us. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
Bad Bunny, have you had Bad here Bunny here yet or no? No, no, oh, man, no, you no. Got, I'd love to see Bad Bunny with you guys. Oh, yeah. we would. And wherever you're watching this Bad Bunny, you got to be right here with these guys. The you world would want to see this. You heard it. Uh, uh, oh, I guess what I was trying to say is they're not worried about you competing yeah, with them, the other politicians because you can't. The so they don't have to yeah. worry when they're interacting no. with you. Whereas yeah. every other person these politicians are interfacing with publicly, they have to make sure that they're winning that arrangement, winning that conversation, because yeah. it will be used against them. Yeah, I mean, his influence is huge, so they have to worry about that. Of course, of yeah. course, but the way that they're interfacing is different. Like, for example, let's say Trump and DeSantis are shaking hands, and they know all the cameras are there, right? DeSantis can't be this little beta and, like, kind of curling up against him. DeSantis can kiss your ass like he would a donor, like he would anybody else with influence, because he doesn't have to worry about that competition. Yeah. <sighs> Not even potential competition. Bro, Not why just, just run for Florida governor, dude? Just be Florida governor. Now, that's my question. If you can't be president, what would you be politically? Listen. No, I have no desire to be a governor of a state. If you're governor of Florida, I guarantee you can be president. No, I no, listen. It, it, that that part, you, you know, not president in America, but we'll find a fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Assyria, yeah. we're bringing back the empire. Florida's gonna <laughs> secede. <laughs> great, that would be funny. No, I have no desire for. And here's the part, though. So, so the great thing is, like, when you know you can't compete for this one thing, okay? You know, legally, you can't. Laws. Doesn't matter how much you can't say you can't. What if? No, there's, you listen, you can't. Like when you know your vertical, you know, you can only jump 20 inches. I'm going to go be a dunk contest champion like Spud Webb and I'm 5'7. Bro, you're not going to pull it off. You're, you got a 20 inch vertical leap. You had nearly 50 inches, right? So in this part, I know it's not going to happen. What's the other part? It could happen. What we will do is we will compete in a media space mm. and, and we will compete in a, in a, in a very big way. Right now, man, I, you know what I'm doing right now? I have only one plan right now. Uh, trying to put a super team together, brother. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. That's all that's I'm doing. Good. Yeah, good. all good. I'm doing right now is putting a super team together of people who love America. Yep. Who are, remember the whole name value entertainment is what? You have to bring value, but you have to be entertaining. Yeah. If you're not entertaining, our brand doesn't fit you or your person. You have to be able to entertain because it's just as important as bringing value. But if you can do both, your value even better. One question about the DeSantis quote unquote flop when yeah. he made the announcement. Yeah. Now, if I'm the PR guy, I say make it fail on purpose. I say, Elon, do me a favor, have the tech fuck up, make it look like, you know, uh, I'm getting caught off yeah, in a few seconds, yeah. make it look like we have to reboot it because you own the news cycle afterwards. HBO, the final episode of this show, that was a fantastic show, but not a lot of people are watching, called Mayor of Easttown. In oh, the yeah. final episode of Mayor of Easttown, this is during the pandemic, halfway through the episode, the stream fails. Twitter is on fire. You can't go on Twitter without people talking about it nonstop. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Brilliant. Listen, he got Trump to make fun of him about his address. So it's like, you're almost playing the Trump game. So if I'm the marketing people behind DeSantis, yeah. I win the news cycle because everybody's talking about me, good, bad, doesn't matter. And two, now I actually want to see what he was saying, so now you get the message across. Do you think that that was planned? Do you think they have somebody with some balls on the campaign? I think it's less than 1% that was planned because uh, Musk and Sachs, uh, mm. if you listen to the entire recording, Musk and Sachs were also putting plugs in to Twitter and the future. It, it was just as much about Twitter's future and mainstream media's future ah. as it was about the same. So it can't fail Twitter I, as well. I, yeah, I, I think 
I think the brand actually was elevated. I would say it's 60 DeSantis, but I thought it was 40% yesterday about Twitter spaces, mainstream media, Musk, Sachs, what they're doing. Uh, yeah, th those guys, those guys are going to be players. Obviously, this, Musk is number one. But in the media space, the game changed yesterday. 700,000 people are watching this thing and it crashes. Are you kidding? 700,000 people live in a room hmm. are waiting for this and they had to go on Sachs' account because Musk's 130 million messed up the algorithm. So they went on Sachs. Sachs got 650 and it was fine. Everybody could listen to everything that was being said. And this DeSantis made this announcement. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Twitter is going to be, I've said this, the day uh, uh, Musk bought Twitter, I did a video and I said, Twitter is going to be a trillion auto company, okay? Mm -hmm. What they're about to do with Twitter, it's scary. What are they about yeah, to do? Tell oh us. my gosh. What a great setup. <laughs> this is why you need to be president. <laughs> <laughs> what we're about to do to China, we'll be back after the break. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to do it together if that's going to be the case. Okay, I'm going to need your help. Okay, I'm going to need your help. Okay, okay. So, uh, but, uh, uh, but, you know, with the whole Twitter thing. Okay. So YouTube right now, there's an audience that's worried about what's going to happen with YouTube. Okay. Um, Rumble is winning because of what YouTube is doing. It's a badge of honor right now for some people to say, I got kicked out of YouTube. Yeah. I don't think that's a strategy, but I don't think that's a good strategy, but I don't know why people are doing it. YouTube gave me a six strike, screw these guys, I will never use YouTube again. Brother, go look at history. Just 13 years ago or 12 years ago, a competitor came to YouTube. One of the guys in the marketplace took a bunch of YouTubers off, they went all to the other platform, it lasted for a few years, and then it flopped, and then everybody came begging back at YouTube. So you gotta be pumping your brakes a little bit. Now, having said that, I think, I hope Rumble makes it, and I hope they kill it, because they're very necessary to keep YouTube working. Honest, yeah. The more Rumble gets bigger, the yep. better it is for YouTube creators. Yep. My hope is Rumble becomes a 20, 40, 100 billion auto company, go light it up. But what I think will happen before they become a 100 billion auto company, Musk will buy Rumble. Uh, uh, either, either he will buy Rumble, um, I think Sachs sits on the board of Rumble now or something like that, an announcement was made this week. So it's a very interesting, Sachs is the most trusted guy to Musk. Thiel is also involved with Rumble. Thiel, Sachs, Musk all go back to the PayPal mafia. They could come up and scoop up Rumble and say, hey, can you fix all these things, Sachs, before we buy it? Yeah, okay, here's five billion. Come to us. We're going to put it under uh, Twitter and we're going to use the technology the way we want it because now Sachs is in there to give us uh, ideas. Then they're going to control communication, a uh, WeChat model that's in Asia. Then uh, they're going to pay talent more than anybody else is paying them with the subscription model. Uh, pay, you know, pay. They're going to do so many different things. Who is the number one customer service representative in America today? It's a guy named Elon Musk. He's worth $200 billion. Hmm. He reads what people say. You can't get any Fortune 500 CEO to come out there and talk to Ooh. its customers. They're locked up in the 80th floor all the way to the top, and they don't go around talking to people. Hmm. This guy's like, okay, let us look at, good point, we'll work on that. It's not a bad idea, let us look into it. So, oh, what wow. do you mean by this? This is, a very, this is a revolutionary type of guy, Musk is, he'll be the first trillionaire in America. I think it's gonna take three to seven years, closer to seven, but depending on what happens to the economy, could happen three years. I think in seven years, that guy's the first trillionaire. Hmm. Do you think it's a bad use of his time to be responding to people in that way? No, not too How him. long should he do it for? You, you have to know if you're as curious as he is, you know people who are using your product know more about the product than you do. You only have one lens, okay? You have to get other lenses that you know, show your blind spots. Like even right here, right? Okay. <laughs> 
you know, he's doing what he's doing, but that guy's gonna say, look at the camera this way, move that. Can you see that the logos are, we're not getting sponsored. How about Bro. this? Musk has that. Do you know what it it's, is? It's, it's very, very unique. It's like Conor McGregor saying that he's gonna fight again. Who knows if he's gonna fight again? But the fact that his name is in the conversation is good for the alcohol brand he has, it's good for the entertainment brand he has, good for the management company, because his brand is wrapped around him as a fighter, not him as a retired fighter. Elon answering five tweets a day is just a reminder, yo, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. I'm here and this is my company. It's like an attention lottery. That's it, mm. that's it. So not only tweet at me, but know when you're tweeting, you're tweeting on Elon's platform. Mm -hmm. You're driving a Tesla, that's Elon's car. And all of us are literally invested in Elon. If some random person bought Tesla, I'd probably take my money out of Tesla. I, I'm invested in Elon, and Tesla is my ability to invest in Elon the man. Mm -hmm. If there was a stock that was just Elon stock, and it kind of wrapped up all his different ventures, we would invest in that. Mm. I, th I think that's pretty fair yeah, to say. Facebook, I don't think you're buying Facebook stock, you're buying Zuckerberg stock. I ain't buying none of that. Buying, buying <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever it IPO'd in yeah. 20 whatever, that was the line of thing that I was told by my uncle. He bought it. And I was like, I'm hearing not good things. He's like, I don't care. I trust this, this guy. This kid knows what's Zuckerberg. going on. He's going to I trust him. Now, Fair Meta, on. he might be out of his depth, whatever, but that was initially the comparison I was making. Okay, so we got off track a little bit. DeSantis. Okay, how do we, or do you think that DeSantis can even beat Trump? Okay, so it's uh, uh, almost at halftime. They're down 37 points. How many times have oh, you seen dang. a team come back from halftime being down 37? Never. Not often, right? I was at a game one time, playoff game. Rockets are playing the Clippers. They're up 28 points going into the fourth quarter. It's me and Robert Green, author of 40 Laws of Power. You, you remember that day when we were together. I'm like, he's like, you want to go to dinner? I said, well, I'll just wait two minutes. And then they bench James Harden. I don't know why they bench James Harden. Boom, 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 boom. Rockets came back and beat the Clippers being down 28 with Harden on the bench. I'm mm. like, what? What the hell just happened right now? Couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like that in my life. So Harden in this case is who? DeSantis. Casey can help him win it. Casey is very unique. Casey. You see his wife. His wife is, is have you seen his wife's tweet? <laughs> I thought you were talking about Casey Neistat. Bro. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was like, is he going to do YouTube daily vlogs? Casey. <laughs> Casey, if you watch Casey in a small setting, oh my God. She's on it. Tal talent. <laughs> talent like you wouldn't talent? believe. Mm. Wins by, you know, <laughs> attractive, good talker, smart, intelligent, mm. supportive, protective, defends the husband, has the story, can connect with moms. You know, can uh, uh, it, it's a very unique dynamic part that he has. Look, this is this is the best way to look at who DeSantis is. Who in here is the one that knows the most about technology, shit breaking down, data, statistic? Who's the most analytical, organized person in this floor right now? Who's a person? Probably no, Mark. 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 I mean, Miles. you put Mark. Mm. Okay. How well is Mark on camera? Good. How, how, how great? Guy's He's a star. All right. Is he? Guy's yeah. a star. He's a star. Okay, this is the last name. What's your last name? Gagnon. Okay. That'll now, lose you fortunately, the Gagnon, like you that. said, what was it called? Show called? It's the podcast called? Yes, yeah, Camp Gagnon. Yeah, and you go to, you, you listen to two songs to get home, right? You, yes. What was the song you said? The Red Hot Chili Peppers? It was, it was uh, yeah, Give It Away and then Black Hole Sun yeah, today. seven minutes to get home, right? Seven or eight minutes to get home. Okay. Now, fortunately, he has charisma. 
But in most cases, a guy that can go, like in my case, when I was coming up at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, I had a guy that was next to me. He knew everything about every product we sold. I could not believe how much this guy knew. He would do laps around the branch, man, around everybody. Couldn't sell. Yeah. Didn't that, have the charisma. That's my concern with DeSantis. DeSantis, DeSantis can do laps around anybody when it comes down to policies, yeah. constitution, all this stuff. But he's going to need to lean on his wife for the charisma side because even yesterday when he's doing the live, he just read for seven minutes. Bro, that's the thing. It's like, the, and I think he's doing the same thing that like Hillary did, which is uh, Charlemagne had an interesting thing about like Hillary when Hillary ran. And he goes, when Hillary ran, she came on The Breakfast Club. And uh, they teased her about saying that she had hot sauce in her bag. Oh, my God. I'll and, never forget that. But <laughs> when he said he was now, were you just saying that to pander to black people? She took a moment. And her like robot brain was about to spew out some bullshit. And then she just went, did it work? And it was the first real moment you've ever seen with Hillary. And everybody yeah. laughed. And it was like, oh, there's an actual human being in here that's not having everything like field tested that she's about to say. My concern with DeSantis is everybody around him has told him it's a lock. He's going to win. So now he's playing prevent defense. He's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing that's going to fuck it up for me. Prevent defense prevents you from winning. And I feel like every single thing he's going to say is going to be buttoned down to the T, and you're going to lose any charisma. If we've learned anything, you need fucking charisma. And if he doesn't have it, he can maybe beat Biden, maybe, but he's not beating that fucking Trump Only guy. one way he can beat him. Only one way. Listen, it's so funny you say this. You know what we talked about in the first five minutes of the podcast? how only the paranoid survive. Hmm. Their camp is not paranoid enough. That's the problem. What are you doing? Like, well, I'm sorry. The guy won in 2016, and he is the greatest smack talker of all time, one of the greatest showmen, not been a better marketer than him in political space. He came out of a city, New York, where in the rooms he has to negotiate with, these are killers. You think he's intimidated he's, by going up against a guy like, what, what, who are we talking? He's, Even, he's building skyscrapers yeah. in Bureaucratic nightmare, New York City. I don't think people understand how difficult that buying thing air. Is. He's buying air. He's buying like you can't build in the light and this like th that. That negotiation is not going to be easy. So that's the part with the only the paranoid survive when it comes on. But the way one of the ways that they could be relying on Trump uh, uh, on DeSantis winning. Sometimes when a person comes in and they're a little too confident, they know something we don't know. And I don't know what this is. Listen, I'm not starting anything here, but here's yeah, what I mean by it. Start that shit. Here's what I mean by it. So if, if they're banking on the reason why they keep delaying, 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 because they think the law would have prevented them having to even get ugly, uh. and rather they wanted to delay it so far so Trump gets arrested and he can't run, and then they come out and he says, look, I don't care what you say. If it wasn't for the president, I would have never been a governor. I would have never he's uh. Win the MAGA vote, and I, I I think there's a little bit of that where maybe they were relying on the law to make this thing easier. Now you have to fight the guy. So DeSantis thought that he was going to get locked up, and then if he did get locked up, he doesn't have to. He do would anybody. defend him. He would defend, and then take all the MAGA it voters. Been the easiest. That's one. the smartest thing in the world. It would have been the easiest. But one. now he got a risky knuckle game, up. though. Because now he got to knuckle game. up. You want to talk about bureaucracy? There's nothing more bureaucratic than locking up a billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah, that's yeah, gonna yeah, take yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think the DNC maybe are like holding the real serious shit? about Trump, wait to them to like fight it out in the mud and then 
Listen, make it so Trump oh, can't run. You know, so so these guys are well. The Democrats want Trump to be the face. The Democrats want Trump to win. The Democrats want Trump to win because they know they can beat him again. Because yeah. the Democrats, okay, cool. Let's play that out. If that's the case, Alvin Bragg, I'm sorry. Why do you do that? Oh, because it helps him. I don't know if it helps him. The pictures of him being in court. Yeah, well, well, you know, with the Mar-a-Lago FBI. What? Well, why? Because that helped. No, it doesn't help him. What? Like, if you really think. He's the guy, help him beat DeSantis. Yeah. So they're not Don't put playing the that, you know, dark political games of, so, well, you know, DeSantis is really the guy that, you know, you know, he's going to win and then they're going to go after DeSantis. Or the establishment wants DeSantis because DeSantis is more establishment than Trump is. And it's easier to negotiate with an establishment than it is to negotiate with an anti-establishment because one wants to drain the swamp, the other one is coming from the swamp. That's what some people are saying, right? That DeSantis is kind of part of the swamp. Who knows what's going on? All I can tell you is a lot of this stuff here behind closed doors, there's a lot of talks and negotiations going on that we probably are not a part of and we're not, not a, probably not a part of, we're not a part of. Uh, but this is, this is the best, this is the one question nobody can answer me. Here's a question for me that nobody can answer, okay? I had this girl, Whitney Webon, very smart girl, okay? Wrote, wrote this books about Epstein. Mm -hmm. She lives in Columbia, she's got two kids, doesn't wanna live here, she feels safer over there. In the podcast, she gets emotional. I don't know if you saw that, she's just powerful who she is, how smart she is. But she can't stand Trump, okay? She can't stand the establishment, but she cannot stand Trump. So I asked her a question. I said, I got a question for you. She says, what's that? I said, tell me, the biggest institutions, departments that have made our lives hell since 1963, November of 1963. Why November of 1963? November 22nd, we know what happened. I'm saying November 1st of 1963. November 22nd, JFK gets assassinated. And she says, I said, give me the names I wanna write them down that made our lives a living hell. Okay, CIA, great, who else? DOJ, great, who else? Well, I would put FBI, but FBI is part of DOJ. Okay, great. What else? You know, NIH, great. What else? CDC, what else? Okay. All of this stuff that we're going through, all these organs, Federal Reserve, all this stuff that we're writing down. Okay, great. I said, now give me the families in the last 60 some years since November 1st of 1960 that have made America worse or have made our lives worse. They've had to control the establishment. She's given all these names, the Clintons, the this, the this, the that. Well, we're going through all of them, right? Okay, yeah. exactly. And then I asked the question. I said, now tell me this. How many of these organizations love Trump? <laughs> she says the following. She says, I see where you're going with this. I said, there's only, the closest example to Trump is only one other name. What's that? Bernie. No, it's John F. Kennedy. Come uh... on, Pat. Let me tell you why. If you look at what these guys wanted to do with the Federal Reserve, with the CIA, with finishing the Vietnam War, with doing all this stuff, we can't do... Are you kidding me? The guy was draining the swamp at the highest level and Lyndon Johnson was the swamp. He is part of the oil guy. He is a Texas guy. He was supportive of the war. He was supportive of military industrial complex. And John F. Kennedy's more from the Eisenhower side saying, listen, we don't need to go to war to make all this money with the military. Why do we keep going to war? There's only the closest case study you got to Trump is John F. Kennedy. I'll give you another statistic here. Watch this. Um, when John F. Kennedy ran, his dad, Joseph Kennedy, gangster. If you not study this guy, one of the most powerful men in America last 100 years, uh, he's kind of like the uh, Moses, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, who's the guy in New York, the power broker? Brian, Peter Moses, Peter Moses, something like that. So 
Robert Moses. Robert Moses, oh, yes. Yeah. He built New York pretty much, right? Yeah. All the stuff that he's hated and loved and admired, all, all this. So, okay, Joseph Kennedy, at the time, is worth $400 million in 1962. He says, I'm willing to spend every single penny of my life savings to make sure my son becomes a president. Wait, hey, which son? John F. Kennedy, <laughs> not the oldest one. The oldest one was he first. Died, but he died. And they he, died. But the plan the whole time- Was the oldest. Was the oldest. You're right. Oldest yeah. one dies yes. in the war. Then they have to make a fake war story for JFK yeah. so that he can actually run. This guy is the architect. Joseph? Bro, <laughs> I mean- Bro, they, like, listen, whoever's- Why do we not have a movie? That's exactly what I was about like, to say. You need fuck? a movie about this guy. I, I wonder if they block it because the idea of the Kennedys right now is like this tragic family that has went through all this horrible stuff and we almost feel bad for them. But if you know what that mother, that that is a motherfucker right if there. If you have a script, you're watching this, of Joseph Kennedy, send it our way. $100 million. Info at Valuetainment, we're entertaining that movie if you have a script. Anyways, going back to Joseph Kennedy, 25 million bucks for John F. Kennedy's campaign. Okay, 50% of money for the campaign was raised. The other 50% was John F. Ken Joseph Kennedy's money. Okay, now watch history, how much money who raised, okay? Ronald Reagan put 9.6% of all the money for his campaign, okay? 9.6% of his own money. The guy almost got assassinated and killed. Uh, <laughs> here we go, the next one is, is Ross Perot. 97% of his campaign money was his own money. He went up to 21%. He didn't win, but guess what? He cost George Bush Sr. becoming the president, yeah. Clinton won. If it's not for Perot, Bush is the president. Yep. Yeah. The director of CIA, he's gonna be the president. That's insane for an independent to get 20 plus percent of the yeah. vote. Plus it's percent. fucking, yeah. and my, as a kid, I didn't know that, how rare that was, and I was like, oh, this guy got washed, and no, that's yeah. crazy. Trump, 72%. Yep. 72%. Hillary Clinton. Zero. Biden. Zero. They don't have to. By the way, Bernie Sanders is also anti-establishment, but you know what he did? He caved. At the end, he did. It should have been Trump against Bernie Sanders. It should have never fucking, been. He got well, scared. He caved. And they, they, they did something behind. I think they have something on Bernie that he's embarrassed of because it should have been the argument that we all wanted to see. Let the two true believers. Bernie's a true believer socialist. Yeah. You know, he calls it socialist, democratic socialist, and Trump's a true believer. I want to see that fight. We yep. never got to see that fight. That was a, that was a fight. Hillary Clinton yeah. wasn't really a fight. So when you look at some of this stuff, and you say, why are these institutions? What do you think they have on Bernie? Do you think it's some stuff from him? Didn't he go over to Russia and like- Got married there. That's when his honeymoon was out of Russia, by the way. So maybe it's that, maybe there's something. Gives a shit though. We, I mean, America gives a shit. No, I don't think they do. No, I don't think they do. I think- In the middle listen, of, a, of Russia, let, Ukraine, let me tell, let me tell, you, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what's one of, the, one, one of the worst places to be in, okay? Here's one of the worst places to be in, my opinion. Somebody calls you and they, they, they have something on you. You have a major F up major screw up that mm. you did. And like, hey, if you don't do this, we're gonna go public with this, okay? You sit there and you say, okay, this is potentially gonna cost me a divorce. You know, my kids, I have to explain to them, I'm gonna be, it's gonna be a very embarrassing moment when my kids here. My friends are gonna say, what the hell were you thinking? That sucks. And you're 62 years old, you're 71 years old. I don't need to freaking talk. My legacy will be protected forever. Or if you're wise, you're gonna say, they're gonna bring it out anyways. Get My kids are gonna know about it anyways. You know what I'm doing? What? I'm doing the you know, eight mile story. Yep. I'm Get going to my yep. kids and my wife and my family and say, listen guys, we gotta have a meeting here. Your father, your father screwed up 19 years ago. Here's what I did, boom, boom, boom. But I'm gonna go and tell the world right now, right afterwards. And I'm gonna tell them they came and gave me the threat and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I hope you take value. Now I'm gonna come out and say, hey, let me tell you guys, I got an uh, uncomfortable announce announcement to make. 
And then I hope you respect the fact that I'm doing this because I don't want to be held hostage. Right. You show a picture of how hot the girl was. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, like, she was, listen, listen, ten. look at this. Yeah. Listen, this is, is, yes, you would do it too, America. <laughs> that's Hugh, hey, that's Hugh sorry, Grant, right? Babe, you know? That's what Hugh Grant did, right? What did, what did he like do? he got, I think that the actor, he got caught with a prostitute and yeah. then went on Letterman or something and was like, yeah. hey. I think they had already found out and then he just owned it and then he had to Oh yeah, he reacted to the news coming out. But jumping a gun on that is fire. Going on Letterman to promote the movie and then be like, yo, I got something else to tell you. Yeah. Very disappointed. But go watch the movie this Friday. I go. All right, guys, let's take a break for a second. Let's just be serious right now. It's summer. You need a new beverage. You need a nice cocktail, okay? We know people are off the beer. Right now, they're off the beer. It is what it is. The chicks are not drinking a beer. You need something that a shorty might want to take a sip of. A shorty might want to can herself, and June Shine has got your back. Simple as that, okay? It's not some fucking can of beer filled with a bunch of bullshit ingredients that you never heard of or some cheap vodka that's going to give you a crazy hangover. None of that, okay? June Shine has got the adult beverage that's going to be a little bit better for you. They got the margaritas, the vodka sodas. They got rum cocktails made with premium ingredients, and they have no added sugar. Unlike the traditional canned cocktails, they're going to have 20-plus grams of sugar. That's where your hangover is coming from. It's the perfect Beverage to be taken to the beach, the 4th of July barbecue, or just in general summer drinking. They got flavors like passion fruit, vodka soda, and Mai Tai rum. And best of all, it doesn't leave you with that. I just drank a lot of sugar feeling, and it gives you a lighter, brighter buzz. June Shine can be found in over 10,000 stores across the country. It's available at all retailers that you're already visiting for groceries and alcohol, like Whole Foods, Target, Ralph's, Vons, Albertsons, Kroger, Wegmans, Total Wine, BevMo, Safeway, and more. Now, we've worked out a special offer for our listeners. At any store, you can buy one June Shine package and get the second for only a penny. Think about that. That's one cent. That's twelve to twenty dollars in value. I, re I recommend you trying one of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to try all their delicious flavors. Go to juneshine.com/flagrant. Text them a photo of your receipt, and they will Venmo you immediately. It's that easy. That's j-u-n-e-s-h-i-n-e.com/flagrant. Indulge. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, let's take a break for a second because, listen, Father's Day is coming and you need to get your dad something nice, a new wallet, an extra specifically. Why do you get him an extra? Because it stops your mom from spending all his hard work and money, okay? The guy's been working his whole life, mom's spending all that goddamn money and extra's gonna stop it. How is extra gonna stop it? Because it's boop-proof. I know your mom's walking around the apartment when your dad's not ready. Boop, that little shit they use to pay for your coffees. Boop. That's what she's doing. She's walking right up to him, giving him a fake hug, booping some money out of his pocket, and then going and spending it on dildos or whatever your mom spends it on, horny bitch. Basically, Exter is here to protect your dad, okay? Your dad is also never gonna lose your wallet. You know how forgetful old people get, but this thing comes, what does it come with? It comes with a trackable detector, okay? Literally, voice activated, you lose your wallet, it's gonna work with Google, it's just gonna call it, and you can find it, you can even follow the person that has your wallet, go get it back for them, be careful. My point is, this Father's Day, Exter is gonna give you an extra special deal, okay? Give your pockets and your dad's pockets the upgrade they deserve. Go to shop.exter.com slash flagrant and get up to 35% off site-wide with the code flagrant. Now let's get back to the show. Bum-ass cities tour is still going strong. May 31st, that's tomorrow, I'm gonna be in Cleveland, Ohio. June 1st, I'm gonna be in Columbus, Ohio. June 4th, 
14th, Buffalo, New York, June 15th, Rochester, New York, July 12th, Huntsville, Alabama, and July 13th. Now, there's more dates, but I'm counting out, or I'm shouting out Nashville, uh, Zandy's Comedy Club. Those tickets are almost sold out, so hurry up and buy them because they're... I doubt we're going to add another show in fucking Nashville. Who wants to do such a thing? Anyway, get your tickets at AkashSing.com. Now let's get back to the show. Quick question about Trump 71%. Yeah. I don't know how to ask this without sounding super anti-Trump, but don't we not know, don't we know to not necessarily trust his accounting and his numbers? Isn't he kind of like, doesn't he have a history of fudging numbers? And So can I tell you something here? So, how do you, so, yeah. so I, I brought at, at our vault conference last year, uh, this year we're going to have uh, Brady, Tyson, and Will Gadara from uh, uh, 11 Madison at the event this year in Miami. The chef? The chef, yeah. He'll be there. So Tell him to put some meat on the menu. <laughs> what is this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. Send that to me. I was a little I, bit surprised by I that. I know. But it's not him. That's another person that's choosing the menu apparently. I don't know who's oh, choosing so the menu. Oh, so he stepped away. I don't know. I, don't, I think somebody told me that. But I want, I want to answer this question for you. So you're asking about, you know, accounting, right? Okay. Um, five years ago... I'm at the Four Seasons spot in Dallas, and I'm doing a business planning strategy session, but I go to the sauna downstairs, and this guy's like, hey, man, I saw your interview with this guy. I'm like, okay, so what do you do? I'm an investment banker. Which firm? Such and such. Oh, cool. How much money? Oh, we do this. Big guy in his 60s, late 50s, early 60s. He says, I said, uh, what's the best speaker you ever heard? He says, you know what I'm telling you? I said, I've heard Tony Robbins. I've heard another I've heard another Zig Ziglar. I've heard this guy. No one was a more life-changing speaker I heard speak than Andy Fastow. I said, which Andy Fastow? He said, the Andy Fastow. I said, Enron, CFO, jail, Andy. Yes. How is Andy Fastow the greatest speaker you've ever heard? He says, he came in. This is a CFO of a company that's got 100,000 employees working for Enron. And he gets up and he says, here's how this accounting world works. Here's me recognized as the accountant of the year, CFO. Here's next month, my card ID at the jail. I went from this to this. Now, let me tell you what happened. He said, I followed every single guideline everybody else followed. And whatever everybody else was doing, we did it as well. But we, for the same exact comparison, we got caught. And here's what happened to us. All of a sudden, boom, Enron, he's going to jail. Then they try to get his wife and all this. He does eight years. Anyways, he comes out. Now he's doing what he's doing. We had him at the event to speak and tell the story. Because you have to be careful when you make money, who is on your team. When, so think about right now Elon Musk's life. Think about his life. He's running Tesla. He's running Twitter. He's running SpaceX. He's has, I don't know how many kids, eight or nine kids. And he has to talk to his accountant. And he has to talk to his Goldman guy, his Morgan guy. And he has to follow the accounting laws that are changing every, and how, how do you like, so, okay, I'm hiring this accounting firm. Do I hire this forensics to audit this accounting firm before <laughs> I hire the accounting firm? It is, it, it, at the next level, it's very complicated. I'm not undermining anything there. I think the one angle you could have taken is to say, well, yeah, he funded 71 or 72% of his campaign, but isn't that from his father's money? Because his father gave him a million bucks or 10 million bucks or 14 million bucks. I can see that as an argument, you know, to say he got money for his, from his family, but John F. Kennedy, some call him the greatest, one of the greatest presidents we've had in the last 50, 60 years. 50%, all the money was given by his dad. He didn't mm. make his money. At least Trump operated and built some stuff. These names on these towers wasn't his dad. It's him putting the names on the towers. So yes, I understand what you're saying on the accounting side, but I think it's important for people to realize when you're making $500,000 a year, you have a very easy way of doing your accounting. But also isn't campaign finance like uh, super strategic? You can't just fluff numbers on your campaign spending. 
Isn't that what they're getting him for right now? That's like, the, well. If you could hide that, yeah. then we wouldn't even have the trial. Listen, if they if they go that route, there's going to be 50 other people right now running to Singapore to make sure they're not next to investigate them. <laughs> you know, what these guys are doing. Uh, well, what do you think happened with JFK? What do you think happened with JFK? I'm not a fan of Lyndon Johnson. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always very careful with super ambitious people who are not talented, don't have charisma, and are not willing to work as hard as you. You have to be very careful with them. Very. The most dangerous people, people in society are lazy, ambitious people. <laughs> oh my God, they're dangerous. Distance yourself from them. Stay, you know, stay close. Don't offend them. Do your best to not, you know, get on their bad side because they're working 24-7 to come after you. And to me, you know, think about John F. Kennedy. Attractive, good looking, great last name. All the women love you. Marilyn Monroe, Jackie Kennedy. You're this freaking guy that you're on cover of every single magazine. And there's this guy named Lyndon. <laughs> you were a kid. You wanted to be a president. And John F. Kennedy didn't want to be a president. John F. Kennedy's father wanted the oldest son to be a president. John F. Kennedy had back problems. He had issues. He had things that he was dealing with. He, he was just a guy that wanted to live a regular life. Just always keep your eyes out on lazy, ambitious, non-charismatic people. You think, very you think LBJ set him up? If I'm a betting man, of course, I can't say 100%, but if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say you know 60%, yes, it's him. What chance do you think it was that uh, he was taken out by Russia? Uh, from which standpoint? From the angle of the fact that, you know, he had gone and stayed in Russia and his girlfriend and the wife and all that stuff. You know, back in the days they were using this one uh, 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 drug to get you not be thinking what you're doing and then you snap out of it again. I don't know if you- MKUltra yeah, experience. Yeah, MKUltra yeah. experience. So, you know- by the way, this is another. Now you're speaking our language. By, by the way, here, this, this, this is the thing. There's a reason why this guy is a, you know, I call him one of the sharpest cats in the market, but he's he's very good at, uh, you know, Schultz is brilliant, man. What, what, what's he doing to you right now? What do you think is going on? What, what do you think? I'm, what, I'm, listen, he, what, what game is he running? He knows when we finish the podcast how big of a fan I am of his. I think he's a modern day Johnny Carson. I think Respect. he's super capable. I think this is a guy that is a very, I, here's what I like with him. This is what I would like with them. It's what he wants. But I would like to see him talk to the average day-to-day -day people. And that happens at 11 o'clock at night. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, a show. When Greg Gutfeld, who's very good at what Shout he does. Shout out to Greg, yeah. Very good at what he does. You know, he is number one beating out Fallon Kimmel. You know, the only reason is because there's not a Letterman, there's not a Leno, there's not a Johnny Carson today. Nothing against them. They got a great crew going on. But it just means the product of Kimmel and Fallon is not that good today. That's just all it means. Because you have forgotten how to talk to the regular person in America. Mm. So, so the, the strength of a Johnny is I can talk with anybody, but most importantly, I know how to talk to America. That's why people love them. Yeah. And I think he's the modern day Johnny Carson. Where, where was Johnny from? Oh, it was Omaha? I think it was Omaha. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, think that was, was huge for Johnny. Yeah. I think growing up there and understanding what everyday people are allowed him to communicate those sensibilities to the people in high and the highest echelons of yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even going back and like watching him, like unbelievably charismatic, self-deprecating. Imagine being like the number one guy on television when there's four channels. 
We're not talking about now when there's like a million different channels, no. a million different YouTube. We're talking about you are ubiquitous, right? And making fun of yourself constantly, a joke bombs on TV every night. You're teasing yourself about doing it. Like a really special person that I wish that this generation could understand how he maintained, like his personal life may be wild and doing some crazy Super. shit. Uh, married four times, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. pulling a gun out on the yeah. dude, banging his wife or whatever, like yeah. just a badass motherfucker. Yeah. But, but what he was able to do and how he was able to keep relatively even keel with having that much influence, power, and adulation is commendable. Not everybody can handle success like that. You're 100% right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, he was one of a kind on how we did it. So going back to Russia, you think Russia was the... I don't know. It's just a tricky situation because you can't acknowledge that a foreign country killed your leader without going to war and everybody dying, right? So you have to maybe make up a story that removes their claim to victory from them to protect your national identity. If it comes out that we took them out, you know, like look at what happened with Iran, right? When Trump uh, zapped the dude and then puts the American flag on <laughs> the <laughs> gun. <laughs> and then they bomb a unit with nobody with added. Nobody. And they said, look what we did, we retaliated. Exactly. No, didn't. So yeah. they had to do that to keep up they are talking Soleimani. Soleimani, Soleimani yeah. yeah. So they had to do it to keep up their, you know, I image. guess morale, yeah. image, whatever it is. Um, but we, I, not only, I guess, struck first, but we took credit for it. Let's say we didn't even do it. Let's say they did it by accident. Trump throwing the flag up there steals the story. He's a marketer. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it doesn't matter. That's what people said you had, when, when you had oil money, you're like, I yeah. got oil money. I, <laughs> but, I killed oil money. Who but, knows? Yes. But for real. And, and that's, what, that's how you know Russia didn't want the smoke either. Because if Russia did do it, the fact that they never claimed it means that they don't want Who benefited war, war. the most? Think about who benefited the, the establishment. most. The establishment. I'm with you on that argument. I think that you look at like a lot of times throughout history, especially like when you start to delve into conspiracy land. Conspiracy doesn't mean something's not true, but the way that like certain presidents have been attacked, especially the ones that oppose certain uh, institutions you've spoken about. Like Andrew Jackson is the number one dude, right? Ultimate guy, yeah, you're so right. Jackson takes down the Fed, right? Yeah. And- the way that we remember Jackson is he's the most racist president ever. He hated Native Americans. It's like, they all did. <laughs> the idea that we're putting him on a pedestal for being racist but and hating Native Americans. the way you sell Americans. the story yeah. to kids, it sticks. Yeah. The way you're like, oh, he reminds me of this guy. And this whole concept with nationalism, you know, how the word is a bad word, being a nationalist. What's the, what's the, what's the antonym of that. nationalism? What is the antonym of nationalism? Globalism. Globalism. Okay, so listen, Ooh. I'm proud of being an I love my country. I'm not going to be a globalist. Yeah, I've so, traveled the globe. Don't I'm, love all yeah. of them. Yeah, no, I'm good, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. a nationalist, I am. You look yeah. like you had a blast in Morocco. Where were we? Morocco, Morocco right? Yeah. amazing. You guys had a freaking blast. We got the sweater so from. much. So yeah. what's the next spot? Where are you going to next? <laughs> um, uh, can we say, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. We're going to go to, yeah, we'll go. Wait, we're going to go to Turkey. Have Sick. some fun in uh, Turkey. Istanbul or uh, like... Pop into Istanbul, Bodrum, have a nice little summer. Nice. Okay. They have good bookstores there. I think you guys going to enjoy the libraries. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah know, that's, the that's what we're there for. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure. I, yeah, I, yeah. I believe it. But I do I do like the way that Turkey is, uh, I don't know, I just love their, their, their role in history, especially like ancient history. You know, you see all these. That's kind of the new conspiracy I'm getting into, the history before history. The history before history. Yeah. Which part of Turkey? Um... 
Oh God, what's the name of it? Uh, there's, go go Blecky Tepe. Well, that, well, that, there's there's one site, but there's like this specific area where they have all these. They've discovered all these like cities that are underground, and they've been like carved into the bedrock and where people would live. And you're talking about some of these cities are so meticulously designed that they went down to the water level and stopped right before the water level. So you had access to water while you're underground and protected from whatever was, you know, going on upstairs. And who knows what it was? Maybe it was meteor showers, maybe it was crazy animals, who knows? But human beings went underground for a stage in our existence. And we don't know why, go for it. You guys gotta get to the bottom of it. We gotta figure this thing out. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I gotta send you, I gotta get you down to like a nice little rabbit hole. But this is the cool thing about, uh, I think lately, you know, as we discover more about history, the timelines start to change. You've seen it with like the pyramids and all the Egyptian stuff, you know. Uh, you should get a guy named uh, Graham Hancock on your pod. Is he the guy, the YouTuber with like 6 million subs or something like that? There's or? a few other guys. I mean, we had- um, You know who I'm talking about? The guy that does these history videos that- you know, Uncharted X. We had a guy named Ben Van Kirkwick on who is fantastic as well. And it's just a bunch of these guys who have studied these like, um, you know, ancient structures. Yeah. And, you know, part of the part of the analysis is we don't think that this is physically capable with a stone and a, and a pick. So there had to be some sort of technology or it had to happen way earlier. And the remnants of those civilizations is completely wiped out, which is kind of exciting. Right? Don't you want to know that this has happened all before? I, How different are we really? Yeah. Like Mark, you were saying about when you went to Pompeii. Have you been to Pompeii? No. But like you Pompeii, look, Pompeii, uh, it's in southern Italy. Yeah, Napoli. Uh, yeah, it no. was it was covered by Mount Vesuvius in like 32 AD, giant uh, eruption, and then basically perfectly preserved the city until it was uncovered in like the 80s or 90s. So it's completely locked in, right? Because it was wiped out in a day. Everybody was hanging out. And then you see how they're living and it's exact. There's like a fucking dick museum. There's yeah. like, there's brothels <laughs> and stuff like that. And the brothels all have like paintings of what you can do because not everybody spoke the language. It was a big like a mariner city, yeah. but like- Prostitutes. prostitutes they wore they sandals with a symbol for prostitution so you could follow where the sandals Sandals were, and you could find the prostitutes that way. They got fast food <laughs> restaurants and shit, and yeah. it's just like, oh wow! A few thousand years ago, they're living the exact same way. In many, you know, in, in certain, uh, you know, with with, with certain things that we are casting right everything. Yeah, there was definitely thoughts going. <laughs> Super. Twitter Spaces, it was the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, all right, where are we at? We're at conspiracies. You think it was maybe these institutions maintaining power? Okay. Come at it from another angle. We can't sit here and believe that like the course of America is plotted in four-year increments, right? So in other words, like a new president comes in, he's like, all right, here are all my ideas. You go do it. You've run businesses that are incredibly successful. You couldn't have a new CEO pop in every four years and then they work, right? You need a long-term strategy, right? So you don't think eight years is enough? What I don't think is that the president makes any decisions. You don't think he makes any decisions? I think they let him make a few. <laughs> I think they let That's him a make a few. That's a good strategy. Yeah. You just say what he yeah. says back to yeah. him, and then he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> that's the question. Who is they? That is, that is the fun one right there. Who is they? You know, why isn't Epstein arrested? They know. Who's this guy who just bought Epstein's Island? And why are we letting him buy it? And why didn't we all buy it? Why didn't me, you, Rogan, and other rich people that can foot the bill go and buy the island and then explore it for ourselves? We'll find something there, a retainer <laughs> case, 
You know, like, there's, like, I guess, who is the they? That's the exciting one. That, honestly, if you can answer that question, who is they? Yeah. You can answer a lot of different things. Then they will kill you if you can then answer that they question. Will, they will sure. kill you. Yeah, but, uh, Andrew uh, Schultz, yeah. what a great guy. We're here at his funeral. So <laughs> You're dressed for it. Incredible guy. I'm dressed for it. I can't say much more because yeah. they are here. <laughs> but yeah, who who is it? I don't know. I, do, do you believe America can change? Like, do you don't believe that there's a long-term strategy that you have people maybe in the State Department or the CIA or the FBI? I don't even know if the FBI would work in that way, but there's a longer geopolitical strategy that's attached to this country. Okay. I would hope. I'm Play the dark role. What is the outcome? What do they want to do? Preserve America and its the interests. The dark side? The dark, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, maintain American because, supremacy. Because American supremacy allows their businesses to flourish. Okay. Like a lot a lot of people have, have said that, you know, the CIA in a lot of ways operates in the interests of these billion dollar corporations. And I'm not just talking about like the ones that make the bombs and stuff. Mm -hmm. You might have a corporation that's selling bananas that come from Nicaragua. Yeah, you control the money, you control the world. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, hey, all of a sudden, Nicaragua wants to make a country out of itself. Well, that fucks up my banana business. Hey, CIA guy, can you do me yeah. a favor and United stop fucking fruit. up my no. banana? Yeah, like, yeah. and then they might go in there, put somebody else in power, and who knows? Maybe that's beneficial to America in some way. We consume a lot of bananas, and we need them to get out of Nicaragua. I don't know, but there has to be somebody or a group of people, and I'm sure some of them are, you know, uh, connected to politics, maybe these like lifelong politicians, like a Nancy Pelosi type. It's like, what is she? She's a House of Representatives. She's not even a senator, right? She's speaker a House. Of house yes, so she, she was. A, she was yeah. Speaker of the but she's in the House. So she got a campaign every two years. Really? This old lady's gonna run around every two years for 40 years to maintain this shitty little seat in the House of Representatives? She gotta be part of something bigger, right? Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, they just had the meeting, right? The the uh, the uh, meeting in Europe, the Alberta. What what is it called? Davos? The, Davos. No, not the Davos. There's another one that just happened right now this week, G7. where uh, not the G7, not the G7. The one where they're all sitting around saying, uh, um, "You'll see if you pull it up." The the AI and they had all these different issues, and they went through. This used to be a secret society meeting where nobody would talk about it publicly. Now they're no longer saying it. Uh, they're saying <laughs> this meeting was being done here. Hmm. Uh, used to be in San Francisco, I want to say. The Bilderberg. Bilderberg, Oh, yeah. the Bilderberg uh, Conference. The Bilderberg think, Conference. Wasn't they that had. in like Sweden or Norway or something Sweden like or Norway. So I think, it, yeah, I, I think it's Sweden. But, and they wrote out exactly who was there, what the topics are, what the issues are. Oh, there's some good conspiracy stuff about this conference. Yeah, Zeitgeist. It was in Zeitgeist. Was that change Or one of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. Go so ahead. the whole thing is like, who is they? Are they they? Or is there a guy that's like, okay, uh, have those guys sit right next to each other. Why is that person who invited him? Oh, okay, I see why we have him. He needs to meet with him because we need to get that deal because we need that technology here for South Africa because of the deal that we're doing with India. So they, like, who is they, they? You That's know, what like I'm the, saying. Yeah. Who is it? And so, who continues to hire these people? And how do we make sure that we have the best talent? How do those people get recruited? You think there's a couple different they's? Yeah. No, I, I, so I think that there's, this is my hope. And I know this sounds crazy to hope, but like, I, I think that my hope is, is that there is a, group of people that are the they's that we're thinking about, right? And these people probably work for government institutions. Maybe some of them are politicians. Maybe you want some that are in. And they're like the career politicians that you're like, why haven't you done more? Like, why are you, like, why is Nancy Pelosi campaigning every two years? Like, you're too famous to campaign. Like, why not go from, why be a senator? Campaign every six years. It'll just be easier. Power job, though. Speaker of the House is a very powerful job. Of course, job, but yeah. she wasn't always speaker, right? Yeah. And she's no, been she involved wasn't. in politics yeah. forever. Forever, so, yeah. so you have a few of those people. And they plot the course of America. And those people interface 
with the billion dollar corporations that are that are incredibly successful within America. My assumption is, is that once you're a Bezos, once you're an Elon, you're a government employee. And not in a bad way, but it's like, hey, you wanna keep on gaining money and gaining influence and being successful. Yeah. Google has to talk to the government. So I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you, do you think Elon, uh, his vision of what he's doing is good? Like if I would ask you what percentage of trust do you have that Elon is a good person trying to do good versus evil, what would you say? I think Elon is a good person trying to do good and the best, um, I think he believes that he is doing the right thing and I think that sometimes comes at odds with the powers that be. And I think that's why you see, like for example, everybody loved Elon. Elon was the darling. There was the left and the right. The left were buying his electric cars and the right was like, here's this businessman. He's making all this money. We love him. It was the one thing the left and the right could come together on and agree on. And then Elon gave a political opinion. He tweeted, it's hard for me to, I'm a lifelong Democrat. It's hard for me to consider myself a Democrat now. And just like anytime Joe Rogan says that he supports a presidential candidate or anybody with influence, and you're gonna go through this as well, there was a smear campaign that happened the day after, and they were out there, they, whoever they is, out there trying to make him radioactive. Maybe that's the DNC. Maybe it's not even the they's that we're talking about. Maybe that's much lower, lower. level, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah. like DNC to me is like low level shit. Right. It's like, you're trying to get someone into office? Like, that's not the game we're playing. This is, that's temporary game. They days, that's forever game. They days are like manifest destiny. Like we wanna go back. They days are like, yo, let's buy Louisiana. The are you saying like Coke? You t you're talking about Rothschild, you're talking about Peter Soros, Thiel. you're talking about yeah. those types of guys. I think those are the guys that get to interface with the government employees, right? Cause you need someone who's actually part of the fabric of the government. And then you have so much success within business that you become part of the government. So Google can't operate on its own. The government needs to know what Google knows, and Google's like, you know what? That's fine, because otherwise I go to prison, or whatever the fuck it is. Zuckerberg gets a call. Everybody gets a call, right? Like, we even saw it with Twitter, right? It wasn't like the FBI interfacing with Twitter Absolutely. and telling about it. So, so, files, yeah. so we know that they're discussing things, right. and we know things are going on, and like, to be honest, that's why I think you're in the best position, where it's just like, you have generational wealth, like if you wanted to stop right now, you're good, your kids will be good, your kids' kids will be good, and obviously, hopefully, you put the values in them to make sure they make these smart decisions. Like, you have real freedom right now. You have real freedom on planet Earth. That is fucking crazy. That is like .000001% of human beings even get here. The only way to get there without money is like if you could live off the land. And fuck that, I'm not trying to camp every single day, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I want air conditioning, I want a fucking house, right? So once you get to multi-billionaire status, now you get the calls from those days. And you'll find out who they's are, but you gotta be willing to pay the cost. And they, they might call you and be like, listen, Trump ain't the guy, man. He's messing up these deals that are 50 years in the making. Like he's talking about buying Greenland. We've been trying to buy Greenland from 1905. We think we'll get it by 2030. And he's talking about it now. Now the price is gonna go up and they don't even realize the resources they have under there. But this fucking baboon started talking about it. And that, like there has to be somebody who decided we need to go from New York to California. So you think there's an element of nobility in the establishment? I, here's the thing, 
due I, to money because the selfishness yes, of yes, making sure yes. to protect the money. There's a nobility in your business succeeding because the people that work for you yeah. also succeed and they thrive within that business. So like you wanting to succeed is gonna help them pay for their families and everything. Now, I'm not saying they make the right decisions. They make fucking horrible decisions that we benefit from and we just get to complain and whine about them. Because we're on the right side of it. You know what I'm saying? They go start some war somewhere. We take all the oil. Oil's $2 a gallon. We get to take all that oil, enjoy all that oil at $2 a gallon, and still go, they suck. <laughs> How they gonna make those wars over there, them piece of shit days? And they can't even complain about it. So, so money keeps them honest. They're selfish. Uh, uh, intentions and desires makes them do the right thing. So, okay, so then the question becomes, are they more driven by freedom, status, or control? I would assume the latter. Control. You could say they're one and the same. Yeah, I, I, they, they, yeah, they could all be wrapped up into one. I assume these people are, are patriots. They just have a different way of looking at their patriotism. You and think these people are patriots, some of these people? I think that these people- You think people, Soros is a patriot? No. Okay. I don't know what that guy is. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what he is. I hear the name, the name is popular. I think he's done a great job of like making himself be mysterious and not even in the conversation. I think- he's like the, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like just now with the internet. Like think about this, this is fascinating. This is how you know that guy got some influence and control. We know everything about Jeffrey Epstein, everything about Ghislaine Maxwell. I got bikini pictures of Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Yeah, you do. Nobody even knows George Soros. They barely know his upbringing. They kind of like, this, if this guy is actively supporting these uh, district attorneys in these liberal cities and destroying the fabric of these liberal cities and these liberal states, if he's doing that and we got one picture of him, that's different level. And it, and it is possible that a guy like that is at odds with the people that want America to be successful. And he's found a way to profit off of this. And who knows, I don't know why they would even let a guy like that exist. If there is an all powerful day that's trying to protect America, why would they let him exist? Who the fuck is he? Can you tell me who he is? Oh, there's no way in the world, like right now, if you look at, are you familiar with ESG, DEI, and CI? No, is that a new gay I thing? I didn't even know what the fuck you yeah. just said, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just came out of your mouth. Lesbian, gay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk it? about tequila. The best kind of tequila <laughs> sitting out there. I don't know if you guys had it this last yeah. Sunday one. We got to have it. Afterwards, uh, so apparently these guys, if you're not, they, they, they're mixologists is what you guys are. Yeah. It's this protein drink, am yeah. I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Celsius oh. and tequila is what you guys drink every, every day. I'm so impressed by this, what yeah, you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So go back to this. Okay, so... Um, ESG, uh, 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 CEI, and uh, DEI, okay? ESG is about environmental something-something group that's out there to making sure companies are making the right decisions. So Larry Fink uh, and BlackRock say things like, we're going to force people to do the right thing. He, there's a video of him saying this. We have to use force to make companies do the right thing. DEI is called your diversity, equity, and inclusive score, how good of a job you do here, this will be a good score. We're doing, so, good. You know, we're doing really good here mm -hmm. all around. This will be a great score here, okay? Yeah. Except uh, one of you guys, two of you guys has to be gay. To be, you to you be, don't to know be, how yeah. we so identify. That's the part. So yeah. we gotta make, we got one of you guys got to make a decision yeah. here, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So then you have CEI, Corporate Equity Index Score. Okay, so what the hell does this mean? So Dylan Mulvaney, okay? Yeah. 
goes out there and gets the drinks from Bud Light. Yeah. Dylan Mulvaney didn't do anything wrong. Okay, Dylan Mulvaney just got the Bud got Light drinks. He's got like, listen, check. great. Yeah. So Dylan does what Dylan does, and he's on Drew Barrymore, and he's doing all this stuff, and yeah. he's doing his you know stretches and all these weird stretches that we can't do, and. Anyway, so Bud Light comes in, he's drinking, people on the other side lose their minds. What the hell was this all about? Yeah. Why are you doing it? And the VP of marketing for Anheuser-Busch comes out and says, well, look, here's what we have to do. Let's face it. A lot of the beer drinkers are these frat, you know, we just kind of have to find a, another audience and we couldn't do with this. What the hell are you talking about? Who drinks Bud Light? You forgot who your audience is. No problem. They did that to get a higher ESG score <laughs> because Anheuser-Busch is one of only 20 companies in America with a perfect 100 score. So watch what happens. Then the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, former Marine, former CIA officer, okay, is the Anheuser-Busch Anheuser CEO, sharp guy, comes out and they do the horse commercial, okay? They're like, no, we're going back to horses, you know, more horses. And then he makes a statement about the fact that we're this, we love America, we'll do all, the, all this other stuff. Perfect. Bud Light's numbers are down 28%. 28%. Coors Light is up. Then when Bud Light is now backtracking about the fact that they lost their customers, which is vets, Americans, just regular beer drinkers who don't even think about politics. Yeah. I just want to have a beer. I love America. Then when he made the apology and the ESG folks took it as apology, they said, nope, Anheuser-Busch officially lost their perfect score. They had a chance to stand up for themselves and really do something about this and defend the transgender community. They did not, were lowering their score, okay? So now it's like, what the hell do we do? Here's a, here's a problem with what they did. Rather than understanding who your audience is and making sure your audience is happy with the customer, with the product that you're selling, you try to make ESG happy. So who's behind ESG? Larry Fink, BlackRock, all these guys. But the HRC score, which is the, you know, the, 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 the DEI score and the CI score, HRC is a company that gives these scores. HRC, human rights something. If you Google what HRC stands for, I don't know what the C stands for. It's human rights community. Human rights, is, uh, human rights campaign. Human rights campaign. Human rights campaign goes and gives the scores and they tell you what you need to do to improve your score of ESG within your company. So guess who gave $100 million to HRC? I want to say in 2012, you can verify this. In 2012, HRC that dictates what your scores are and comes and scores these people, was given $100 million by this guy named George, last name Soros, okay? So, okay, so what, Pat? What's the big deal behind this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, then we go to a complete different space. You look at Hollywood, what announcement they just made, right? I don't know if you guys saw the announcement they made last week. Hollywood made an announcement, uh, the Academies made an announcement last week. Moving forward, for you to be considered oh, yeah, yeah. to win an Oscar, yeah. you have to have a third of your crew or the main actors, or even supporting cast, or even people behind the camera be part of the underrepresented community, which the underrepresented community is LGBTQ, I think it's women, it's black, it's disabled, it's all these things that they have, right? Yeah. If you don't have a third be a part of that, guess what? You are not able to get nominated for an Oscar, which means, um, you know, if we go to Titanic, would have never been nominated and would have never won. Mm. If we go to Godfather, it's not going to happen. If we go to all the, you know, Saving Private Ryan, not going to happen. Mm. You go to all these great movies that have won Oscars, that'll never happen. So what does this do? A Richard Dreyfus comes out and says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? 
The whole concept of being creative was for me to be let loose so I can do what I'm doing. By the way, here's the part that Hollywood has completely lost their minds. Do you know why movies in America went to Hollywood? Do you know the story behind why we make movies in Hollywood in the 20s? Do you know how this happened? Nobody would hire the Jews, so the Jews went out and made Hollywood. <laughs> but where did they escape from? Where did they leave and who dictated the rules? Do you know Wait. who dictated the rules of Hollywood and movie making? Who? A guy named Thomas Edison from Jersey. They left Jersey. Because Thomas Edison had all these guidelines of making stuff that you had to do. You had to go through this, you had to go through that. They controlled all of it. You can type in Thomas Edison, 1920, Jersey, Hollywood, leaving, you'll see the article. So they go to Hollywood. Edison, like the light bulb? Like the Edison, Edison. Yes, Edison. So did you Edison. Find it? Did, did, you, did you find the article, Edison? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, so Edison, the light bulb Edison guy, yeah. forces the creatives. I'm like, dude, let me alone. Let me just go make what I want to make. Why are you doing this to me? Let's go find this one city called Hollywood. They go to Hollywood. In 1920, 95% of all motion picture movies were made in Hollywood. They gave the double to Jersey and to Edison. They go to Hollywood. They make the movies today. Yep. Wow. Thomas Edison drove the film industry to Hollywood. Wow. They left him. So here's what's crazy. From 95% of motion pictures being built in Hollywood to now 50%, 55%, people are leaving Hollywood to different cities. They're sick of this game that's being played. So people forget, like, go back and figure out why Hollywood started in the first place. Because you made it too difficult to make movies here. Now you're doing it now again. Now you're doing it too. And why, what does George want from this? Is he profit-driven? Like, I, yeah. I don't understand his- I have uh, my own opinion. But yes, please. What yeah, is your own so opinion? For me, okay, so Get there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of different fears people have. There's a lot of different fears people have. There, you know, there's a fear about overpopulation. Oh, that's one of the biggest fears that we have was overpopulation. Elon Musk comes out and talks about we the underpopulation. Need, yeah, 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 we need people. Declining population. You, if you go really look at the founder of Planned Parenthood and see what the hell her vision was and how she was worried about all these kids being made. And if you see her interview oh, yeah. with Wallace, just go watch his 26-minute interview with Wallace and you'll see what she says. When he asked the question, do you believe there's such a thing as a sin? Do you think we're committing sins by preventing these kids. No, I think we're doing the right thing because these kids shouldn't be born in this difficult life and all this other stuff. No problem. Statistically speaking, and then morally speaking, I'll give you statistically first and then we'll go morally. Statistically, China, when you look at their population, a, a inverted pyramid is when a society is healthy, meaning a, a, a pyramid is where society is healthy, meaning the youngest at the bottom, zero to four in China, 1950, the biggest percentage of the China's population, 1950, you can pull this up as well, was zero to four, yeah. okay? Then it's five to eight and all this other stuff, yeah. right? When you look at their age. So today, China's the complete opposite. They have tons now, of old people, tons not of enough young people to support them. And yeah. their cost of Medicare just 20 years ago was half a trillion dollars. Last year was $8 trillion. They wow. don't know what to do with this. They're, they're dealing with this four to one rule which is for every one kid, he has to take care of two of his parents and four of his grandparents. Yeah. But 1978, 1979, they came up with the one child policy, China took it. They used to do four, five, six kids. Yeah. Per now it's 1.1 is where they are. So in US, do they wanna, do they wanna under- Oh shit, is this our democratic freeway of combating a rising population? By getting- You see what China is, well, this is the shit that I'm talking about. This is. Just a second ago, we were yeah. talking about how do you plan out 100 years? And who are these figures that are planning out 100 years? In America, we can't say you're just gonna have one 
you're just gonna have one kid because we put freedom in the fucking constitution in the beginning. And I know the powers that be right now are like, what fucking idiots did that? 1776 has made my life so difficult. Now I gotta manipulate Americans into doing something that they might not wanna do through the guise of freedom, right? So, holy shit, they see the advantage that China might have by reducing their population. We have to find a way to reduce our population Great and now strategy. you got women on the streets going, scoop those babies out of your uterus. So, by the way, that's one though. Fuck Plan, me. Planned Parenthood would be one element. You know what the other one is? Here's what the other one is. Gays. Okay. Gays, you saw Bill Maher talking. <laughs> Bill Maher, by the way, you saw what Bill Maher talked about? Have you ever seen the statistic by generation, which generation has the most LGBTQ members? Have you seen this? Can you pull up LGBTQ community by generations, okay? Yeah. And then he, Bill Maher says, listen, at this pace by 2047, we're all gonna be gay, okay? Because that's just kind of, it used to be 0.5%, then 1% of the generation, then it's 2%, then yep. it's 4%, then it's 5%, then now it's like 24% of the generation of is, is LGBTQ. So the so, pushback someone would give for this argument is, those were times when being gay was not accepted. Yeah. And now's the time when it's being accepted. So all those people that were in the closet have now come out the closet. That's the pushback that some would give to yeah. that statistic. And the flip on that would be, there's a major, uh, uh, churches are losing today to the church of LGBTQology, okay? Mm -hmm. These guys are baptizing people into their community better than anybody else is doing it. I had a guest on the podcast from uh, Gays Against Groomers. This guy was on, he says, I'm gay totally gay, our communities, we're all gay, you know, lesbians and gays is what we are, but here's what we don't like. We don't like putting that into people's thoughts, people's school, and like books right now, uh, you buy a book, it's called It's Normal, uh, or Gay BCs, and it says, <laughs> here's how boys have sex with boys at 10 years old, here's how girls will have sex with pictures and images in the book, by the way. Yeah. And you know, some parents are sitting there saying, look man, it's a few things you gotta know. I teach my kids, I raise my kids, it ain't your job, this ain't no village, these are not your kids, these are my kids. So you, yeah. you either have to subscribe to the fact that these are your kids are America's kids or your kids are your kids. If you subscribe to the idea that your kids are America's kids, let them groom your kids, no problem, be at it. But Ooh. if you think these are your kids, then you gotta raise your kids with the values and principles that you got. Yeah. You pick and choose, that is a form, that is a philosophy that you gotta make a decision which one you're more comfortable with. A lot of parents are, not, this is why people are moving to Florida, and this is why some of the guys are more comfortable being in Florida than in some of these other states. Some states are fighting this. So again, going back to this, this conversation started with George Soros, then he went to ESG, then he went to DEI, you know, CEI, then HRC, then coming down to the depopulation, all this stuff. Who knows what their motives are, but some are thinking this could be one of them. And that's George Soros wants to depopulate in America. You're George saying. Soros wants an open society because he is a globalist that does would like to have an open borders, open society. If you Google Open Society Foundation, that's the foundation that gave HRC $100 million. He started Open Society. And why would that benefit him and the people that agree with him? How would that benefit him and the people I don't think it's about how, but we can go there as well. And by the way, everything I'm saying from here on is purely opinion and sure. speculation. Um, Feelings, no facts on this show. Yeah, that's great, I love it. No, but, but you know, look, would, would some people who are driven by power, would they rather control 330 million people oh, shit. or 8 billion people? So, okay, so here's where we go. Most people, regardless if, if we think they are good or bad, convince themselves that they are being benevolent. Nobody goes, I'm a bad guy. I totally agree. 
right? I so, totally agree. So where does he see his oh, I'll benevolence? T- I'll get, yeah. So two nights ago, whatever the night was when the Celtics played Miami Heat and the Celtics beat them, what was that, two nights ago? Yep. I didn't tune into the game. I watched the George Soros documentary, came 2019, four years ago, worth watching. Starts off with painting him as an evil guy, ends with he's a philanthropist, cares about the world, cares about America. Well, here goes to another Chelsea Handler, Handler story for you. When his mom, when he was a young kid, I think he was nine years old, mm. and his mom had two, I want to say, Russians or two Germans. I think two German. Germans raped his mother, and she told him the story, and he is apparently lived out with the story. You know, those kinds of enemies, the loyalty isn't to you, the loyalty isn't to anything. The loyalty is to, that happened to my mom, and my mom sold me these beliefs, and my mom believed in me, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life making sure my mom's dream becomes a reality because that is an emotional story that I'm gonna tell myself over and over and over again until it becomes a reality, right? Like, What was his mom's dream? uh, uh, It's not about what his mom's dream was. His mom, you know, the hatred she had, the, the pain that the mom and the trauma she went through by being raped by two German soldiers, I think it's German or Russian, you can look it up on which one it is. So in the documentary, they're kind of telling that story. And then he eventually reads a book by a man, I don't know his name, that talks about the concept of open society. If you type in George Soros, open society, you, you know, the book he read, it'll come the up with the story. more accepting and open we are with yes. one another, yes. the less chance that this will ever happen again. Yes. To anybody, not just someone that I care about. The, yeah, okay. There it is right there, Karl Popper's 1945 book, The Open Society and Its Enemies. That's what uh, uh, inspired him to come up with the Open Society uh, organization today. And obviously they fund a lot of different things in America. All right, guys, let's take a break for a second because you need to step your pipe game up. Look at this. Look at this beautiful piece right here. This is what you need to smoke out of. Yes, this pops out, okay? Conveniently, clear, done, glycerin chamber right there. Throw it in your freezer, freeze that puppy up, and then you're gonna take the best, most glorious, coolest hits you've ever taken in your life. The clouds are going to be Lizzo. They're going to be some of the most unbelievable puffs of smoke that are coming out of you. Legal smoke, of course. You would only do legal smoking out of this right here pipe. The point is, is these glycerin chambers change the game. They change the game. You don't want that raspy, coughing, torn up throat. You don't need that. You don't need that. What you need is the freeze pipe. So for the smoothest glass pieces at everyday great prices, go to thefreezepipe.com and use the code flagrant for 15% off your order. That's thefreezepipe.com and use the code flagrant for 15% off. Shop today. Your throat and lungs will thank you. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, let's take a break for a second. You're not getting enough probiotics. You're not getting enough minerals. You're not getting enough whole food sourced superfoods. That's a fact. You're not gonna look at me right now through your screen or listen to me right now on your AirPods and tell me you're getting too much of those. I know you're not. That needs to change. How are you gonna change it? I'll wait. No, I won't wait. I'll tell you exactly how. Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens has got your back, okay? You are gonna be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. That's what I'm about. 
Start the day with it right there. Green juice, blend it up. Even when I'm on the road, they got these little packets you take on the road. It's nothing. It's nothing. It doesn't matter if I'm in a hotel that has absolutely awful food. It doesn't matter because I'm starting my day with that Athletic Greens, that AG1. That's how to start the day. It is that simple to stay healthy on the road. Stay healthy at your home. Stay healthy wherever the fuck you want with Athletic Greens, okay? Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to make it very easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com flagrant. Again, that is athleticgreens.com flagrant to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's go back to the show. And why do these companies care about the ESG? Like why does it matter that some governing body is saying, hey, you're doing the right thing That's for the environment, or you have the right credits? Yeah. Okay, so because what is the DNA of the establishment? Think about it. What is the DNA of an establishment? So there's one video that just got, is going viral on YouTube right now, it came out six days ago. The opening line is by a very uh, profound professor. I think it's a Berkeley professor. And she says, look, let's face it, Democrats. The hardest task we have is to tell the American people, because we all know we're smarter than everybody else. But the way we have to sell it to them, we have to connect with their hearts. We know we're the ones that are educated. We know we know the history and they don't. And we know what's right for America. But we have to try to connect with them through emotionally like, wait, what? What are you talking? I'll, I'll text you the video afterwards so you can see it. What are you talking about? Well, the establishment thinks they know what's right for you. By the way, everybody watching this, all of us here, right? All of us, like I'm watching your body language, your body language, his body language, everybody's body. We all have a different kind of body language, right? Okay. Some topics we don't give a shit about. Let's face it. Like if somebody starts talking about the art of building a clar clarinet, dude, you lost me. I'm falling asleep. If you tell me like how to ski down the mountain and it's going to be like, here's how you accelerate to 120 miles an hour. Good for you, bro. I just want to see how you landed. Are you going to fall? Did your back hurt? What happened to you? I want to see the final product, right? Okay. There's three different types of people in the world. There's the oblivious where, believe it or not, they live the happiest life, but they also ruin most of our lives, the oblivious. My dad told me the craziest thing, I'm 21 years old, I'm devouring books. We're sitting there at the kitchen, my uncle is sitting over there watching Kings of Comedy with D.L. Hughley, he loved Bernie Mac. The greatest, Two-year-old, two, four, six. Lord, help me babysit these motherfuckers, you know, this whole thing that he's, he would say, put him again. The guy doesn't speak English. Yeah. Howard doesn't speak English yeah. at all. Yeah. And he's laughing, tears are coming down his eyes, listening to Bernie Mac on repeat. I'm like, do you know what he just said? No, but it's funny, right? And my dad points, very monumental moment in my life. He says, look at Albert right there. He says, yeah, see this book? I said, yeah. The more of this you read, the less happy you'll be like him. That's the happiest person I know, and he knows nothing. Yeah. Because he doesn't care. Ignorance is bliss. He just wants to be happy. Yeah. There's a risk when you pick up books. There's a risk there as well. Here, we can actually use our God-given abilities to defend and protect the next generation that comes after us if we have kids. Over there, you're risking that the next generation, your kids could be controlled by the establishment because the establishment, they all went to the same schools. They all think they know what's good for you and I. They all think they know what's the right thing for you to do. You shouldn't do this. You should have this many kids. You should go do this. Should, 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 should. They should all over us, right? And rebels don't like the word should. Mm. We like the word choice. Mm. 
what I ought to do. Ought has an out. Should doesn't have an out. Should is judgmental. Ought is your choice. Do what you want to do. This is what you ought to do. But look, man, it's your decision, bro. Do what you got to do. Here's what you should do, right? Establishment. The anti-establishment is the guy that sits there and says, look, bro, honestly, I was just watching the Laker game until you said that bullshit. Now I got to go read the article to see what the hell you mean by that. No, you're not going to mm -hmm. do that to me. I'm not for it. That's literally the anti-establishment audience. It's just a bunch of regular guys that just don't like to be bullied. So the anti-establishment is sitting there saying, wait, what, what do I need to do? Why do I need this score? Why do I need to hire this many people of this? That guy's not good at his job. The other person is. Why would I hire that person? No, because of this. Yeah, you know what? Now you pushed the envelope a little bit too much. I was cool with you. I was chilling with you because I'm typically a guy that can get along with everybody until you start using the word force. Now we have a problem. We're not doing this, bro. What do you want to do? How do you want to handle this? That's kind of where we are today. So the ESG crowd is part of the force crowd. And everybody else is sitting there and saying, I don't know. It just doesn't Isn't sound right to me. a lot of what's anti-establishment now, though, previously just establishment? Like, don't you just miss the old establishment? Like, not being able to get married because you're gay is a Christian belief that was forced upon everybody. I don't, I don't happen to be Christian. I'm not gay, even though I act like it. But I did grow up in a place where people told me, you're going to hell, you're not Christian. You should go to church. You should, whatever. it was forced upon me. Not part of but that. But a lot of, yeah. I'm not saying you are. I, I agree no, with you. I, but I'm saying a lot of the people who are pushing back yeah. against, hey, this, this gay shit is not okay with yeah. me. You just missed the old establishment. Yeah. You're not anti-establishment. You're just no, old bro. establishment. You're right. So here's what's going on. This is the whole thing where, you know, Elon Musk is like, look, man, I'm telling you, like Bill Maher's interviewing Elon Musk and says, look, you know, I feel like you and I are kind of in the same situation. We say one thing. Everybody says right wing, right wing. I'm not a right wing. I'm a Democrat. I just feel like Bill Maher says, remember that one chart you put up, Elon, where you said, this is me. I've always been here. You guys went further left and mm -hmm. I'm not there now. Apparently I'm a libertarian, but I'm not a libertarian, but I am today because of where you guys went. To yes, you're totally right. You know, like the whole reason why I was an atheist for 25 years, don't freaking give me this judgment stuff. No, I'm, I'm going to hell. No problem. I'm going to hell. I'm going to take the risk. And then it became my choice of where I'm going to. And then I said, I actually want to know to see what's going on here. Okay. So what did I do? I went to Church of Scientology. I went to LDS because everybody around me was LDS. So I started saying, I should like the fact these guys have all these systems. They do this, they do that. One guy's like, hey, the greatest movie of the year, you gotta watch, maybe this thing's gonna win an Oscar. I'm like, oh shit, tell me what movie is this? Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, greatest, this guy's gonna win an Oscar. I gotta go watch it tonight, I go watch Napoleon Dynamite. I'm like, it's the shittiest movie I've seen all year long. <laughs> Why is this thing so great? Because the main actor's a Mormon. Oh, so yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. Now I get what you're talking about. You guys are tight. You defend each other. I actually respect that. Yeah. Good for, I wish more of us did it. I wish more Americans were like that. Yeah. Go support that guy. Go support this guy, right? Like, look what Rogan is doing. He's lifting up all comedians. So many. Freaking awesome. Yeah. Respect to what he's doing, right? So I, I, I agree what you're saying, but today, I think the Christians and the old anti-establishments are kind of coming together and saying, listen, man, here's a mistake we made 30, 40 years ago. And we understand it because we were talking about God doesn't want to judge, yet we judge everybody. And I think here's a mistake uh, these guys are making today, and we're not for that either. And you're like, yeah, bro, honestly, I don't like you 40 years ago, but I feel like we're kind of on the same team. It's kind of weird. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We are, but let's not promote this to everybody because I don't want people to think I'm now pro-church going Christian, but I kind of want to put my kids in private school. But you know what I'm saying? Like, just don't tell everybody my kids go to a Christian school. I kind of want them to think that they're going to a secular. This whole concept that we're playing, I don't know. It's a problem for me 
And I feel. Oh, I don't love what's happening either. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think. No, maybe, I, I think your argument was. And I sound, think maybe yeah. it just the anti-establishment now is old establishment, and then the pendulum will swing back. You nailed it. And cool. then they're going to win, and then yeah. we're going to be anti-establishment again with yeah, you guys are taking it. To, it's just a series of overcorrections. But every every correction is an overcorrection. Yeah. And yeah, so maybe you see that start to swing back. But that's a really interesting theory. The idea of of Planned Parenthood. And a promotion of LGBTQ as a way to curb population growth and compete with China, who did it effectively, incredibly effectively, with tyranny. You cannot do things with tyranny in America because we have freedom. So you have to manipulate the masses into doing what you want them to do. It is a much more difficult task. But if you manipulate them well, they'll not only do it, They'll be proud of doing it. That'll be their identity. Pride. Imagine tricking yeah. somebody. Into, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Don't don't a lot of these companies make money by going a more like a socially progressive route? Is there a, a financial incentive to it? Let me ask you a question. How funny are you? Damn, yeah, you know, I'm trying my best. You know what I said? You know what I said to him? I said, is that guy a comedian? Because he should be, he should do something. <laughs> he's like, no, that guy's a comedian. He opens up. He apparently who's a somebody and then you and then and then you, right? Is that what did I get it right? Or yeah. he's the old yeah. okay. Yeah. So like, dude, that guy's funny as shit, right? I'm like, dude, I just felt it. By the way you were, you came, you introduced yourself. I knew your last name. Now I know your first name's Mark. That would have been a lot easier because your first name's easier than the last <laughs> name. But but you know what you just said here? I'm gonna flip it on you. Please. Okay, with the money part. Um, can you force a non-comedian to be a comedian? be very difficult. Okay. Can you force a non-comedian who's a one to be a three? Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Can you make him an eight? No. No way you can make him an eight, right? Okay. Uh, DeSantis, let's just say we're in his ear. He told one joke yesterday on the live of an hour, of hour and 15 minutes. And a joke was a congressman came up about Kentucky saying, I only buy Tesla. Mm. And he told a joke about the license plate. I don't know if you heard it. I'm like, what okay, he's it? got jokes. What was Tell the joke? More. He, it's some joke about, yeah, but you have to see his license plate because he's a guy from Kentucky that has this. It was actually funny. I'm like, yeah. okay, good. That showed a little wit. Use that more often, right? Yeah. Okay. I think we can probably take the sentences. Charisma. What score you want to give it? Negative five. five. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I think you can probably take yeah, it to so. five. I think you can take it to five, yeah. right? Uh, uh, okay, that's great. Now, what if somebody comes in and says, listen, guys, this, this whole flagrant thing you guys are doing, you need to have at least one disabled person part of the cast. You we need do. to have two. Okay, <laughs> Alex is disabled. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about He's to in a say wheelchair. disabled and, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like. Oh, we got a double whammy right there, dude. <laughs> I check the all The only boxes. thing you're missing <laughs> is you dick would say. <laughs> <laughs> He ain't wrong. <laughs> well, then you guys are scored away here. But, but the point is, so, so let's just say now I am could run the comedy club. You forced me to put a guy that, that I have to to meet my guidelines. Mm -hmm. The guy's not freaking funny. Yep. Who's going to show up? Yep. That's a problem. Yeah. You can't force me to hire somebody that's not necessarily going to be the best Why do these companies care so much? I don't drink right. beer because they have a perfect ESG score. Like, I, I, I don't understand why yeah, the companies so why care. Why are they adhering to it? Because yeah. if you have a higher ESG score... They'll help you raise money. You'll be able to participate in certain things on the stock market. You know, they removed, you know, what's one of the worst ESG scores in America? Which company? Take a wild guess. You'll get it right. I want you to take a wild guess. A crazy CEO they hate now. What company do you think has one of the worst Amazon. ESG scores <laughs> in America? Twitter? This Fox. guy just bought Tesla has one of the worst uh, ESG scores uh, in America. 
Are you kidding me? This is the guy like environmental. The guy freaking built a car to clean the environment more than you did. They have a low ESG score. Do you realize the hypocrisy just because they don't like this guy and he doesn't follow their guidelines? Yeah, it's, that's a crock of shit right there. There's no way you can say something like that with this. Question. But because the right structure of people are not there. The, the best part about bad policies is eventually the leaks in your argument, the hypocrisy, the contradiction shows up. And then all the fingers are being pointed back at you. But unfortunately, for that to happen, it takes a couple of decades. You can get away with it for a couple of decades. There, there's a religiosity to uh, wokeness that I think I'm starting to wrap my head around a little bit more lately. I'm just curious about your feeling of this. Is that like, you know, when you uh, act in like a pious way and you and you believe in the teachings of whatever God you choose, it removes some guilt about the way that you interface with the world. You can feel better about yourself. It removes some anxiety. If there's things out of your control and you put your belief in God, it removes that horrible feeling of like, what if I what if I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow? What would happen to me? What would happen to my family? A little bit of it. And that's why I think that, you know, God can be this amazing force in people's lives and religion can as well. It literally can provide uh, comfort, right? Emotional comfort, right? I wonder if subscribing to woke ideology does the same thing in that like, if you realistically want to give every human being in the first world a score, we would score a zero, right? The phones are all made by slaves with the fucking cobalt mines and the, the outfits are all made by a sweatshop worker and the sneakers are this and the oil is from what some war, point. right? So it's like, but if I do 0.1% better, right, which is woke. If I put up a flag or if I try to, if I recycle my straw, if I do 0.1%, like literally now I went from a zero to just a 1% on this scale. I'm still 99% horrible, but that 1% allows me to remove all the guilt and anxiety. I'm a good person in this world, and I wonder if that's why people have a religiosity about it. I felt horrible about my contribution to the negativity of being a first world citizen in a place like America, but this removes me from that and now I can exist in my day. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's a what? Coping, coping mechanism, mechanism in a way. Yeah. I think the other part is also guilt. They're making you feel guilt. And even more importantly is, you know how you sit in a room? Like for example, if we walk downstairs, I saw a guy skateboarding, the guy had a camera trying to get this clip. Real good place here, by the way, sick place. Um, and we see a guy slap a girl in the face. Okay, and we're like, oh shit. Well, listen, we've told not to do anything. And then he slaps her in the face again. And one of us says, well, probably he caught her cheating. Okay. And then he punches her in the stomach. Okay, great. But if you do get involved and you touch, a new law's out that if you get involved in a marital dispute, you go to jail for five years. Okay, let's just say something like this exists, uh, okay? Then you're like, well, I mean, look, I got to follow the laws, so I'm just not going to do anything. But you not doing anything, is that the right thing to do? No. What is the natural thing to do? Say, hey, hey bro, woman. bro, honestly, dude, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, yeah. Dude, I, I get it. I've been through a bad relationship. Can you just, dude, can I just, here, bro, let's go for a walk. I'm so sorry. Can you do that? Andrew, can you talk to her? Yeah. Can I talk to you? What's your name, man? Where are you from? Well, you seem like a nice guy. What happened here? Do you know what the fuck? I caught her with this. Totally get it, bro. We've all gone through it. Tell me. Okay, that's what naturally we're all going to do, yeah. right? Okay. So some of the stuff today is going on 
I believe, in our mind, we say this. It's a little weird. It's a little weird, bro. Kids watching transgenders dancing drag queens. Why, bro? I've gone to a drag queen show when I was freaking 22. Totally fine. I'll freaking laugh my ass off. It was hilarious. Hilarious. Five years old, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I don't want to say anything because my score is going to be down with the people I'm working with. I don't think five-year-olds belong at yeah. non-drag comedy yeah. shows. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's like a little... That's, but, you know, you have to be abnormal to think that's normal. So all people are saying right now is, dude, that's a little bit abnormal. Okay. Say you have your kid and your nine-year-old kid comes to my house and we're hanging out and... Your son, you're like, hey, Pat, I want my son to get closer to because I want, I want him to be a better business guy. And I say, hey, Junior, yeah, what's up? Do you know how boys have sex with boys? And like, I don't want to say anything because Pat's got a high ESG score. You're going to be like, I'm, Pat, I'm sorry. What are you doing, bro? Look, I'm teaching the guy yes and those options. Maybe he's gay. What, what, are you, what are you getting upset about? Your daughter, do you know how girls, you're going to say, dude, can I, can I ask you a question? What's that? Talk to them about business all you want. Unless if I tell you to straighten out my kids and talk about this topic because I gave you the permission, don't ever talk about that with my kids ever again. Made me very uncomfortable. He's right. We should not debate that topic. It's between the father and his kid. He gives me permission of what to talk to his kid about. It's his responsibility, not mine. So for us to sit there and say, yeah, but you know, this is a village. This is how we grew up, and it's our children. No, no. If it's our children, I want you to change every diaper on the kid moving forward. I want you to pay the <laughs> bills on everything. I want you to go out there and do every time they're sick and they're, all the snot that came over me. And then I was sick for a week, and I still had to make the food, and I still had to go through this. And my dad was not doing well health-wise. My marriage was in shambles. I was going through bad financial situations. Why don't you take all those responsibilities? Then it's your kid. And I want you to give birth to the child. Matter of fact, I want you to get pregnant, but it's our kid, but you raise it. Can we do that? Here's the sperm. You get pregnant. You go through the pain for 40 weeks. You go to the hospital. You pay all the bills. Yeah, you're right. It's your kid. I'm sorry. It's just my sperm, but it's your kid. Unless if we're doing that, it's my kid. Pump the brakes. Step back. Listen, I'll give you, I'll give you a crazy funny story here. We're in the Army. Yeah. Okay. okay. And <laughs> going he on said here, Army, not Navy. This guy named Johnny, I liked a lot. I, I didn't ask, you don't have to tell. Yeah. That's all good. Well, you know, his name was actually Mark, and he was a sweetheart. He was a comedian. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're in the Army. We're in Kentucky, Tennessee. There's one guy who was a Ohio State linebacker who didn't make it in the NFL, but he's with us at the Army. Guy's freaking a beast. He's a monster, and he's pissed because he's not in the NFL. But he knows how to party, and he knows the best clubs. And I'm a rookie at this unit. He said, I'm going to take you to a club, Pat. It's a sick club, Connections. We go to this club, Underground, nearly 1,000 people there. It was like Studio 54. The stuff that happened in this club was unfreaking believable but it was a drag queen club. It was a gay club, lesbians, all of that at this club, right? And half the women that would go there were single straight. They just kind of wanted to be left alone, have a good time with their girlfriends. Well, after 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, they kind of are a little bit more open-minded. And then that's when you explore. I take one of my guys. And we were very careful when we took guys to this club because we were worried, Linda, they're going to freak out or something. So this guy goes. And a couple of the guys at this club were very aggressive. I said, listen, guys, I'm going to be taking You're going to be protected. You're safe with me, but I'm, I love girls. So just kind of, if we can have that straight, we're good to go. Great. But they always asked us one question, and they got one of my friends. And the question was this. 
goes up to this guy and he says, hey, you ever been with men? No. Do you like men? He says, no, I like women. He says, how do you know? What do you mean? How do you know you don't like men? I'm telling you, I like, how do you know you don't like men if you've never been with men? So it's like, it's a great pickup line. I actually think it's very impressive, yeah, right? Yeah. About this. Okay. Yeah. So, so then we go in the car, we got a 45 minute, one hour drive back from Tennessee, from Nashville. And he says, but he's right. How would we know that? <laughs> I'm like, bro, trust me. Yeah. What are you doing? He says, I'm telling you, I, but maybe how do we know? Yeah. And he's like, add the alcohol to it. And it's two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. It's like incredibly, that should have been recorded, right? Yeah. You know what he got to find out? He had to go to find out for himself. No. No. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Okay. Anyways, we had another guy. Was he gay? Is he, is he still Did he gay? like it? No, uh, well, he's not gay. At least we don't think he's gay. But, he's but now always, he knows. But now he knows he's not. So, okay. so he's straighter than end, us. Yeah, in the end, yeah. he knows he's straight. We don't know we're straight. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that guy knows. He's straightest of all. He knows more than that you know. That guy knows. Is that how you found Speak out? Is that yourself. what happened yeah. to you? Yeah. I still don't know. You said I act like I'm you gay. I don't know don't if I am. Know. Who knows? Well, I saw the one woman in my whole life. That's pretty gay. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. this serious? Yeah. Disbelief. There are gay guys that have slept with more women than him. Well, you, but by the way, you I'm know, I'm kind of a better Christian than you. Actually, I I'm think not gonna, by the way, I wouldn't disagree. And I would tell you this, you know, it's, it's hard to only sleep with one woman. You're a very good looking guy. Your eyes are oh, freaking ridiculous. You. I've been you're, waiting you're, for this. No, no, he's a very Mark good looking guy. <laughs> you know this. I don't need to tell you this. You're a very handsome guy. No, but but the point with me is, Mike, if, if we're going to say. Are you serious? I know. <laughs> I know. That's me every week. I'm like, really? I'm waiting for the bit to be up. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen someone get flipped, and you saw how easy it was. But by the way, you know yeah. what I say to that? You know what I say to that? Yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. Why is that fine? He's 18 years old. Freedom. Go Do what you want. I don't yeah. care. Mm, totally yeah. respect that. This is your Chelsea Handler story. See, no, like, me, I saw someone me, get flipped. Yeah. To me, it's go for it. You made a choice. I don't need to know that. Yeah. I don't need to know everything. Did you feel some guilt that your friend was sucking dick in a Kentucky nightclub no, because you brought him there? He's 18. <laughs> but he would have never way, done the, it. The funnier story was another guy. We would Kentucky always take- Kentucky fried dick in this guy, guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that the funniest of all stories was this one guy. Every time we take a shower, he was rock solid. What? Every what? Time. Yeah. And we, we would always say, I would say, hey, bro, what's up? <laughs> wait, wait, you had to uh, ask him You know it. what's up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's up? Dick. You know? But, it, but it wasn't like, stuff. it was like, you know, maybe like you just got done with your girl and you come and you come and take a shower. Okay, yeah. good, respect. Yeah. But it's kind of like every time and it's like, right, like, like dude. That's crazy, yo. You know, six months later, we found out why. Why? He was a bi. He was bisexual. Mm -hmm. So he liked guys. So he would see other guys in shower. I'm like, listen, moving forward. You got shower nine to ten. We're gonna come at ten o'clock or eight o'clock. But your shift is this time. He was like, we laughed about it. By the way, he's married today with two kids. Okay, and probably the best looking guy at the unit. Okay, but he was by. Guess what? <laughs> Over eighteen, your choice. Do what you gotta do. Under eighteen. Yeah. Let's not confuse our kids. That is the only thing I'm saying. Just... And, and if your kid, if you think your kid is gay, and your kid is part of the anomaly community that our genius friend here is talking about the one percenter. We're going to come, we're going to give, by the way, we can even give him shirts, one percenter, okay? <laughs> yeah. And that's that community. Guess what? You can have a specific class just for somebody that's there. No now, problem. Now, question. Yeah. If we continue to have anomalies throughout history, right? If it continues, is it an anomaly? Is it an anomaly? 
No. If it continues it's, throughout history, and it should weed itself out because they can't procreate if they're having gay sex. If it continues, is it anomaly? In society, we've done a lot to try to get rid of it. You know <laughs> history. Get rid it's of been it. around forever. Get no, rid no, no, no. It, it has. It has. Now, That's that being point. said, That being said, there well, are other things within. I, I, I guess I know that people are going to take. Both are yeah. not right, though. Like in Iran, there was a, a famous comedian who's very well known. A lot of people, Farrokh Zadeh, this guy was a famous comedian, incredible on TV, entertaining. But rumors had it he liked men. Yeah. And they killed them. That's not cool at all. That is not at all what we're talking about here. Yeah. But just because history did that doesn't mean let's make up for it by going and converting a bunch of other people to it. All I'm saying is, you're 18. You want to go do this? Go for it. You want to go do that? Go for it. I'm not going to sit there and tell you, here's what you ought to consider doing. One go question. Ahead, and then um, like, you love America. Part of the great like uh, fabric of this country is that we can choose our own beliefs and yeah. what how we want to live. So, yes, I'm pretty sure not every parent goes and checks the entire curriculum, but you do raise your kid for more time than what school does. So it's like if they learn something that you may disagree with in school, it's up to you as a parent to place your beliefs on your child. Yeah. So it's like how come based off of your beliefs, you're picky and choosy about what the school can teach the kid? Yeah. But on other things where, like, say, um, African-American history and stuff like that, like stuff going on in Florida, it's like, why is it wrong there but not wrong in other subjects? You're like you see how African-American? Like yeah, like you're placing your beliefs onto what schools to teach. But at the end of the day, it should just be based off of how you parent your kid if you feel that being gay is wrong. Yeah, but, but, I, think, but I think that it could be a catastrophic effect on a person's life. For example— um, guns. Should a kid at 13 years old own a gun? I personally don't think so, but I, I think, think so everyone's too. right. With, that. By the way, you know, you know, Republicans, what I disagree with them on, here's what I disagree with them on. I own guns and I'm going to buy a lot of guns. I was in the army. I like guns. I feel safer. First time I bought a gun, I'm living in my house with my wife and I, we had a kid, Range Rover's parked outside. This is 2012. I go to sleep, I wake up, we're living in Encino, I'm thinking we're in a good area. Somebody broke into my range, took everything, took the system. That day, I went and bought a gun. I had to wait four weeks for it, but I went and bought a gun. You're not gonna mess with my family. It's that simple, right? But I never bought a gun prior to that. Even I was in the army. I think this concept about me being able to go buy a gun, same day go home with a gun, and, and uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, um, rounds and all this stuff, without any kind of training, I think that's not smart. I would much rather require you before you want a gun to do a one week training, okay? Learn how to use it effectively because I'd much rather have 10 million people that know how to effectively use guns than just letting anybody just go buy the gun and go home, no problem, 20, that's fine, go take it home, it's fine. You just do the bank of your gun. No, I think we need to test what medication a person's taking on, some of some, many states do. I think we need to do a little bit of a background check. Many states do. But do you know why the NRA doesn't want to give the left this piece to negotiate? You know why? Same exact reason why what's becoming normal in school today. Because if you say yes to this, they're coming for this, this, this. That's their fear. That my, 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 my ambition would be to get everybody in here to learn how to use a gun. One week training, take this course, just like you get a driver's license. Yeah. Go do it, guys. That's my... 
for you to go buy a gun at a store and come home, but it's crazy. It's a little weird to me. Mm -hmm. By the way, Republicans, when I say this, like, what are you talking about? You don't have the right to say something like that. I made a video once, the most hated video I ever made. Texas, I go to the store, I buy an M16 with all the rounds, and I leave. I record. It took me 15 minutes to go in, buy an M16, get the rounds, go to my car. I don't think that's okay. I think you ought to go get a permit. I think you ought to go get training. And I want my state, if I run a state, I want my state to have more <laughs> trained people knowing how to use guns than other states. Also, the, yeah. the more destructive the gun, the more the training, just like with a driver's license. You can't just drive an 18-wheeler. Yeah. That's dangerous if you drive an 18-wheeler. It makes a lot of sense. It's you, common sense. Exactly, because you need a more sophisticated license. So if you want to have an M16, sure, have yeah. an M16. If you want a bazooka, have a bazooka. Good luck selling that to them, though. I understand also they're worried about giving up a little bit That's of distance. That's their worry. Yeah. That's yeah. their worry. Yeah. So I understand. Also, there's a lot of money to be made in lobbying for yeah. that. Like, there is no question about yeah. that either. I'm not going to sit here. And, and by the way, the more they try to threaten to take guns away, the more gun buyers, you know, gun sellers make money. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's form of a military industrial complex. Yeah. It's another way of making a lot of money. So, but yeah, my, my you're asking that question for me. I think, you know, if I had to make some life-changing decision pre-18, I'm probably going to be in a different place if everything was being sold down my throat when I don't have my father around me all the time. I'm living with a mom who's worried about me being a drug dealer. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't at that time. Okay. And then after 18, I was able to say, yeah, no. You sure? No, I'm good, bro. Good. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. No. Okay, cool. I'll try that. Uh, no. So because now I have a little bit more able to see what's really taking place. I've been with more than one girl, so I have a little bit of you know experience in my life. I'm not as devout Gay? as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Overcompensating, what is that? How do, you, how do you make sure your kids don't fall in the trap of uh, many rich was people? Was it faith-based or was it faith reasons or? Faith and trying to be a good human being. And good for you, bro. Tell good my kids. You. He couldn't get no pussy, so, bro. But, That's but what it was. I don't, I, it, how long have you guys been friends? Uh, 15 years, years yeah. Years, so like so that, when man. did you get married? Three years ago. So I didn't wait till I was married. I waited circle. till You guys was... been in each other's circle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, I could have at least got some of your phone. Yeah, what, I know, should we, should we blow his mind right now? Should we blow yeah, his mind yeah, right yeah. now? You know who else has only had sex with one girl? What? Look to your right. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah, man. Alex and I only hang around with losers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, Why? Part, man. I understand him. <laughs> you. Why? I met my wife when I was 18. We got married at 23. It was partially religious and then partially what, ethical. What denomination? Catholic. But but I this is, <laughs> no, no, no. You cannot I back off this. This is yeah. the world. I'm you actually want. A, a fan of your show, so I was listening to your show, and Bro, that's why I did this that. This is what you I, want. Yeah. Let me tell you, but a I, bunch of incels. You, but, if but, they didn't find comedy, you, they'd be shooting you, up schools. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey we're just cells. <laughs> hey, we're just cells. Let Come me on. tell you. Do you know there's lit, there's literally zero, you know, stereotype I can give you because both of you guys are good looking guys. It's not like you don't have options. Yeah. Respect to have control, bro. It's not easy to do. Yeah. I salute you. I didn't. I respect what you did. So th that's not that that we should applaud yeah, rather than take it. Latinas. Nah, I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. 50%. Yeah. I respect you it. Latinas from the age 30 to <laughs> 34. <laughs> He's like, let's set up in Florida. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I've never been into Latinas. With five, so folks. many virgins. You're 25. How old are you? 26. 26. Yeah. Oh my. This is this is a first. This. Is, yeah. 44 years old. No, this is the first. All boxes. I'm right. telling yeah, you, our ESG score yeah. is crazy. Yeah. The G stands for gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no wonder you guys want to have that stuff being taught in school. I got you. <laughs> Don't be like me. I respect it. I, now, this I, is I, one, I see the motive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is one thing that always kind of leaps out at me, though. And again, I agree with a lot of what you say. I don't agree with everything, but a lot of it. Sure. Yeah. But there's this thing that people who are uh, back, uh, whatever, fighting back against Dylan Mulvaney or whoever, yeah. this being taught in schools, they say, don't shove your beliefs down our throat. And then they'll turn around and say, yeah, but this is a Christian nation. So what they want, again, they just want to go back to the establishment where they were shoving their stuff. The Pledge of Allegiance that I say proudly, and I am a person who believes in God, but every time you say it, every student in America, one nation under God. Yeah, but you make a plural. That is, that is, <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I do, I do. Under God. <laughs> and I don't, because I'm, hey, I'm a chameleon guy, whatever, under God, I don't care. <clears throat> but there is a thing where it's like, bro, you don't have a problem with the establishment as long as it's your establishment. No, I, it's so, so you're, you're not wrong on what you're saying, but I, like the other day I had a conversation with Adam late at night and we're having a kind of debriefing about one of his shows and we're talking about, okay, so let me ask you, yeah, you died today, man, how's your legacy? And we had this very deep conversation together, right? Great conversation, one of the best conversations we had together. I said, hey bro, when's the last time you went to, he's, he's Jewish, I said, when's the last time you went to church? And he says, uh, you know, I said, why don't you go? Temp- temple? Temple, yeah. yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. once the last time he went to temple, he said, I haven't been. I said, why don't you go to it? He said, I went a couple months ago. I was going, it was really good. I said, why don't you go back to it? I'm not trying to tell you to go. I'm not debating. Catholic, go. What's your denomination? Hindu. Go. And whatever it is, go. Go build more. Because if you put all the religions there, we're all taking a risk. You're taking, it's a gamble, Okay. You're going to be right or wrong. I'm going to be right or wrong. But it's we're all taking a risk. Life is filled with plenty of risk to take. The risk I'm taking, I'm risking on being a Christian. That's the risk I took, okay? So if you put them all on there and you get a predictive analytics guy and you, you match all the values and principles, 99% is the same values and principles. It's the same values and principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is, let's go to that. Pay a little more attention to those values and principles. Ray's a pretty good guy. You, you, you committed to your faith. You're with one woman. I mean, you're, you two are major net positive to society, okay? You have made it safer in America. If you think about it, you've made it safer by having fewer partners. You've made it safer. You've made it better for us. You're taking care of your family. Values and principles are solid. You're probably going to raise kids on good values and principles. Guess what? Net positive. We have to turn you guys into heroes. My problem is the following. I'm running a sales organization. In a sales organization, we got however many agents, right? 40,000 agents. Okay. So that guy made zero sales for two years. You want me to recognize him? Why? He's not doing anything productive to grow this business. I can recognize him for working out six days a week. Guess what I can say? He's got a six, six pack. Great job. He's on a good diet. But I can't recognize him for sales. Okay, mm. who we're turning into heroes today matters. To me, you're a hero. You're a hero because it's net positive. Not, well, it's not fair. We need to also, no, no. This is how life is. You should never say to me, 
Well, look, you know, it's Pat's basketball game is not like, we know he sucks, but it's not fair. Like, let's say it, Pat, your game is, you're good, you're needed. Like, no, my game sucks. You shouldn't recognize me for my game of basketball. And it's okay. My feelings are going to get hurt. No, it's not. It's part of life. So I believe the biggest problem we have in America today is a hero-making machine. We're making heroes of wrong people. That's all it is. And we're encouraging the wrong people to have too many kids. Um, I want the right people to have more kids. You know, you know, every, the, my, my talk the last two years in every private setting I've had more like in the last year. You know what my entire conversation is about right now? Having a kid is very complicated, especially you have your first one. It's emotionally draining, bro. Oh, my God. You know, hey, I'm ovulating. Okay, let's go take advantage. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's spend 60,000. Hey, are you pregnant yet? Is something wrong? Is something going on with this? I'm so freaking sick of this. Listen, family, one more time you ask me who's pregnant, who's not, you're not going to see me again. <laughs> do you understand me? Don't ask us if we're pregnant or not. We're sick of it. All right. So then you overcome that hurdle. Then you have the first one. You never thought it was going to happen. Then, you know, you can do it now. For me, if you're net positive to society, guess what? Go have five kids. Go have six kids. Go have as many kids as possible. I'm trying to get people of the right values and principles who are net positive to society to have more kids. And I think we need to do that because I think the right people are a little too conservative when it comes down to having kids. So, too safe. So when you have those kids, you're a successful guy. Yeah. Um, that's, you're not saying that the right people are only successful people, no, but I imagine it's not, it's you're got, thinking, It's not money driven. It's not money no. driven. Ethics, it's culture, values. It's values and principles driven. Yeah. Now, you happen to be very wealthy. Yeah. How do you make sure your kids avoid the trap of being spoiled brats that are no of no benefit to society and they are lazy because they've just been, you know, gifted a fortune? It's a great question. It's a great question that you ask. You know, we, uh, uh, three of my kids are there. We're doing estate planning. So I said, let me just have some fun with these guys right now. And I said, hey, uh, Tico Dilly, Senna, 11, 9, she's going to be 7, but she's 6 today, and then 2. So 2 is not part of the conversation. It's just the 3. I said, hey, guys, I'm curious. Dylan's asking, Daddy, how much money you got? I said, I got some money, but how much is it? Don't worry about it. Somebody told me they saw your money online and you have this much money. I said, they're wrong, but we have some money. Great. I said, well, I got a question for you guys. What's that? If I die, and if I die, where should the money go to? Oh, the money should go to mommy. I said, okay, you, let me ask a more specific question. Let's say mommy and daddy die. Who should the money go to? And they say, well, the money should go to Tico. He's the oldest brother. I said, what if he's terrible with money? What if he chooses to do drugs and alcohol, ruins his life? Should we agree to give him the money? Then you see my oldest son himself says, no, I shouldn't get the money if it's like that. I said, then what should we do? He says, well, we have to make sure it goes to somebody that knows how to make the right decisions. I said, okay, so what should that look like? Well, I think it needs to be this. I think it needs to be this. I think, I'm not just taking notes. I'm like, okay, I agree. I said, okay, should we give money equally to all of you guys? Let's just say we have $1,000. Should we give 333 Yes, I think that's fair. I said, do you really think that's fair? Yes, why is that fair? What if one contributes more? What if one is a better leader? What if one's more responsible? I didn't think about it that way. So then how should we gauge it? Well, what if we can do this? So anyways, that led to a conversation of them thinking about how this is one day going to be taking place. And they're already processing the conversation together. So it's like, okay, great. I said, so I agree with you guys. We're going to probably have some guidelines in place that, you know, whoever does this, 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 this gets that. Great. And they know how that works. Everything to me is with guidelines. For example, all the kids want phones. 
okay? They want phones. None of my kids have a phone. It's not because their parents can't afford a phone. They don't have a phone. God bless. God bless. October 31st of this year, uh, Halloween in the community with this other family, stud of a guy, this guy, Gordon. And his family, billionaire family, they got 7,000 employees, great people, good-looking guys. Each brother has four kids. Each is a doctor, and each married a doctor, and their parents are doctors. Very weird story. They're about three houses next to each other. We're walking. Their family, powerful, great class. So I want to learn from this family all the time. I said, so, hey, uh, your son, what happened? Say, hey, uh, call me. He says, my, his son says, dad, I can't. I don't have a phone. So, oh, you're right. Okay, cool. I said, dude, that's a 17 year old. What do you mean he doesn't, he doesn't have a phone? So oh, we have a very simple rule in the house. You, to have a phone, you have to have straight A's. You have a BRB right now. I, I said, wait, what do you mean? He says, if you have one B, you don't get a phone. Are you serious? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> what a standard. So guess what I did? I came back. I'm like, okay. How many guys want a phone? You know, but here's what we got to do. Great. Hey, iPad. My kids only play iPad Saturday, Sundays. Okay. But if throughout the week they screw up, they don't get it. And if they have any C's in their, in their class, they don't get any iPad for the weekend. It has to be A's and B's to be able to play on the weekend. Great. That's a standard that's in place. When COVID happened, one of the best things that happened to our family, we were non-essential, but of course, I see my business as essential. I'm the founder. I'm at the office every day. For three months straight, I'm at the office every day except for one Sunday, and I had to go away for a family issue. So I'm at the office every day. I have to take care of my kids because kids' schools are shut down. They're at the office every day. You know what the kids did every day? Here's what happened to them every day. Every day, they were required to swim 25 laps a day. Every day, they were required to make 52 shots, make 52 shots a day. Every day, they watched a one-hour documentary and told me about it. And every day, they read 20 pages. Do you know what happened to these kids three months later after COVID, during COVID? Don't tell me. Oh, bro, I can't even tell you the conversations I'm having with these guys. What were you going to say? I, I, oh, just, you I had a joke. I had a I joke, but Akash also said, I was like, don't tell me they became gay. But, but uh, <laughs> Akash also said something, so it just cut the thing. Well, we're going to find out My what's going to happen. Dude. No, there's guys. no way you would know. So uh, uh, anyway, so so uh, uh, so we're going through this whole process. I'm like, damn, it's actually very interesting. By the way, I can't get credit for this. It was purely a fluke. Because I'm working, they're there all the time. I'm like, listen, guys, 25 laps, 52 shots, one hour this, da, da, da. And so next thing you know, they're like, did you know this? They're like, they've watched every episode of a, a Man in the Arena, every episode of Last Dance, every episode of Captain, every episode of Pele, every one of these episodes of documentaries to inject the spirit of competition and improvement is in them. All of it, they watch, right? So today, these guys swim every day, one hour a day. They do jujitsu every day, five days a week. Dylan does a bunch of different things. Tico plays uh, the violin, okay? All these guys are doing what they're doing. They're improving. I think when you have money, you buy into this bullshit dream that I had a very hard time with. Guy was selling me the dream when I was coming up. I was 21, 22 years old. And he says, Patrick, imagine if one day you can have so much money that you never have to work a single day in your life. That's really a dream. Imagine if you could do that. I'm like, bro, you give my dad a billion dollars. He's still working today and tomorrow. He doesn't give a shit. My dad never did it for the money. My dad's 81 years old. He was in a hospital for five days, just got out two days ago. You know what he's doing today? He's probably working today. Can't stop this guy, okay? So this dream of imagine one day you can be with your kids all morning, all afternoon, you're with them all the time. 
And then you tell stories. Daddy used to be a hard worker. What? Kids are not going to do what you tell them to do. More is caught than taught them in parenting. Mm. You got to catch what I'm going to be doing. But you're in the car with me. I'm doing a hardcore negotiation for one hour. You're all listening. After the negotiation, what'd you think about it? I think the other guy made a good point, Dad, but I like when you asked this question. That was actually a very good question. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I was thinking, what'd you think about it? Oh, Dad, I wasn't listening. Okay, no problem. It's totally fine. Now they're seeing the meetings taking place. Now they're seeing, hey, this person comes over to the house. Now they're seeing Daddy working. Now they're seeing I taking places when I'm working as well. I think if with the day, you, you're already rich. It's not like you're, you're, you're making very good money. You have a great life. But... You're, you're, you're going to get your couple hundred million dollars. You're going to make a lot of money. Okay, you guys here, team as a collectively together, this is a successful winning team. Everybody here is going to be winning. Good thing is you guys have a Michael you're running with and everybody's contributing. Everyone's going to shine. Mistake you're going to make is when you win, now you think, well, I won so I can be around them. Now they're going to think that's what's winning and they become lazy. No, get them involved. Mm. Show them what it is. Show them what it's like. Get him to say, this is what it takes, guy. This is what it takes, guy. Here's what it takes, guy. Did you see what he did? This is what it takes, guy. This is what it takes, guy. That's the element. And I think sometimes parents have a hard time doing that with their kids. Everything soft. that I've learned from my parents, and it's, it is literally everything, not one time did they sit me down to teach me it. There's one thing I can remember my dad teaching me specifically, and it was like the, the power of apologizing. He's like taking accountability. I remember it was two, there were two things. There's one of the power of the apology. It's like, like, don't be too proud to apologize. If you did something wrong, apologize. It's better to take accountability for your actions. And the other was like, I didn't do my homework. And he asked me if I wanted to like sit on a stoop and do it before I went to school. He asked, he didn't say, he asked. He's like, well, do you want to sit here and do it? We can do it. And then we just sat on the stoop and I did it before. And he was so proud of me. And then after that, I was like, oh, that was really cool. But everything was watching them bust their ass. So that was the expectation of work, like seeing them work so fucking hard. That's great. I never thought about that. Like letting your kids see this stuff, having them around, seeing that, see you wake up at fucking seven in the morning, go to bed at two at night. Like, yet your kids should feel like your their parent is outworking them. But if they're around, it's not this isolated thing where they can't even describe their parents' job. Like my dad would like let me work within these like little events that we would do. I, I was always working. And I would get paid and I, it was cool to have money and like save money. And, but yeah, I never understood like how profound that was and like setting a standard of, of work ethic. Holy shit. It's not what they, it's not what you say to the kids, huh? Worse caught than taught. Look who they raised, the stud. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that work, I think, often is more purposeful. I think it, it fills the kids with more purpose than being told values and virtues. I think doing work, especially from a young age, like not hard work, not like child labor, but like helping out, I think gives kids a lot of purpose. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you, you have to go. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Uh, the question you asked your friend. So if you die tomorrow, how are people going to remember you? I'm curious for you. Oh, I've lived a great life. God has given me an incredible life. Uh, there's only one person that can slow me down. I'll always say this to my wife, to my kids. Only one person is the man upstairs. If he says you're talking too much, come on. There's plenty of other guys better than you that can do the job. I am so content with that, 100%, because I believe he knows best when I'm ready, when he's ready. But if he keeps me around, I interpret that as I'm keeping you around to fight. And I need some soldiers down there to fight. I'm going to do my part. 
I've already, I, I tell you stories of what things I've done in my life. This is this a fantasy. I'm a regular guy in high school. You would have never thought I was going to do anything. One of the best things I love when I sat down with one of my friends, Adrian, went to Conrad's. He says, I got to tell you, man. He says, everybody probably tells you, well, we always knew you were going to make it. And they're lying, Pat, because they tell me something else behind closed doors. This mm. was a guy who would play Fester's Quest with. I don't know if you guys know the game, Fester's Quest. He says, Pat, I never thought you were going to make it. I thought you were going to be a bum. I thought you were going to be a regular guy. I had no clue you were going to be this. So to me, you know, I'm living a dream. God's given me an incredible life. Some good people are in my life. They've been in my ear. And I've used my talents to the best of my abilities. If he keeps us around for 40 years, we're going we're gonna to do our part. We're going to have a blast. We're going to do a lot of wild, exciting things. We're not expecting everything to be perfect. There's going to be a lot of painful moments that we anticipate. But... Um, we feel like we're just getting warmed up. Like this is just, a bit. I'm just learning this game. <laughs> so we're excited about the next 40 years. PBD, ladies and mm. gentlemen. Oh man. Thank you so much for coming, bro.